All right, everybody, welcome to the TylerBloyer.com live streaming show, where we have a very special show for you today. Today we are having a special guest on, somebody who I've wanted to sit down and do this with for quite a while. And today we're going to do it, and not only are we going to do it, we're going to do it live, because why not? And if it doesn't go well live, we'll edit it in post-production. <laughs> but anyways, today on the show we're going to have David Whitehead uh, from Way of the Truth Warrior, uh, the Truth Warrior from also unslaved.com. Um, David, thank you for joining me today. I'll give you a second to come on the screen and say hi. Hey, Tyler. How you doing? Hello, everybody watching in the chat. How you doing? Welcome. Or I'm used to saying welcome to the show because I'm usually the one hosting, but this time it's a pleasure to be on a different podcast other than my own. And Tyler, thank you so much for the invitation, man. Glad to be here. Absolutely. That's what my wife was saying. You know, she's like, I don't see a ton of uh, interviews with David Whitehead out there. And I'm, I'm like, they are out there, but you know, I'm happy to have you on and you can welcome people all you want because there's probably more of your audience that's going to watch this than mine. <laughs> Just by the pure ratio of things. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, no, I really appreciate it. And congratulations on the show and getting the website set up. Uh, we need more people talking about these subjects. So congrats. And I'm definitely looking forward to chatting with you today, man. Awesome. So first, I just wanted to get a little background on you for people from my audience that do watch this that aren't familiar. Um, you know, you're first of all, a brother from the North up there um, in Canada. And uh, why don't you go from there? What kind of got you up to this point of way the truth warrior? We don't have to go all the way back uh, to the childhood, but uh, kind of give us some background on yourself. Um, you know, even are you married? Do you have children? Things like that. Sure. Yeah, I am married. I do have two beautiful girls, four and seven, and I've been an entrepreneur for, oh my God, 14 years now, something like that. No, maybe not that long. Who, who's counting? <laughs> I basically got to a point where I was, I mean, when it comes to these subjects that we're going to talk about today, this was always just a passion of mine. It was something that I did on my own since I was young, always interested in just learning. I wasn't raised in a traditional education format. I was homeschooled, sort of. Uh, most of my education, most of the stuff that I've learned is all self-taught. And it comes purely just from my own curiosity to figure out, you know, the big questions of life, figure out what kind of world we're living in, and just follow my own natural curiosity. And that's where, that's really where it all started was when I was young, I always had that passion for it. I was always in the libraries and used bookstores and trying to just get a, get my hands on whatever I could. I, I started looking into mainly comparative religion and philosophy. Then I started getting into paranormal stuff, getting into conspiracy stuff, um, you know, just all that kind of great, great information. Some of it not so great, some of it awesome. And going on that process, I found it was quite challenging because the minute you start stepping outside of the safe guidelines that are given to you, you know, by either education system, the media, the culture, anytime you deviate slightly, you're immediately punished in a way. You're immediately ostracized from all of your communities and looked, you know, everybody's got that weird look on their face because you're stepping outside of the norm. And I grew up in that environment. I grew up being that person. And not because I was trying to be, I was honestly just pursuing my own my own life. This is my life. And I'm here to figure out 
whatever interests me and learn about who I am, why I'm here and where I'm going. And on that path, you know, it doesn't always align with everybody that you surrounded with. So, you know, I just kept going with that on the background. And then eventually I got totally sick and tired of working for bosses that I didn't enjoy working for, working in jobs and fields that I didn't enjoy. I probably worked in 50 different industries just trying to find my way. And eventually I said, you know what? I got to work for myself. I got to find a way to be self-sufficient and follow the great philosophers that I always admired and looked up to and, and actually put what they were saying into practice. So I made that move uh, a while back. I started with, um, you know, I was working for a company at the time and I, I was training martial arts also along this entire path of doing all the other research that I was doing. And eventually I said to my wife, I said, well, we've been working for other fitness gyms and dojos and running classes out of different spaces and things like that. Let's just open up our own facility. Let's just, let's go for it. So, um, I was able to get that all set up. I started that in Toronto and I've been running that business right up to the present day. Although we did move it out to now I'm on the West coast of Canada and on that path, when you're an entrepreneur and you're someone like me, I'm always looking for other things that I could be doing. So in my free time, I started developing other projects and uh, working in other areas and building you know, building essentially, I'm, I'm now at the point where I'm running three businesses simultaneously, but all of them actually are, the way I look at it, and I speak about this with my wife a lot, because she's an integral part of all of this, is that it's kind of like a tree that has different branches. So I do martial arts on one hand, I do truth warrior on the other, which is just my own personal process, investigation, all of that. I do unslaved on the other hand, and I'm also now doing some major television and things like that on, on some of these subjects because there are still a few production companies that will at least cover a few of these things, at least in a topical way. And so I've been doing a little bit of that here and there. And now I'm in the position where because I've become self-sufficient in that and I've established where I'm going to be living and established my family, I'm now able to do even more of this work. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for all the people that came and supported me on this path. And now I get to do what I've always wanted to do and I, it actually is something that sustains me. So um, I'm very grateful for this and uh, very happy to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, well, that's amazing, um, that background. And I appreciate you for sharing the details that you did. And I think a big part of what I took out of that is that, you know, you have to kind of get um, your financial future or your financial um life in place in order to kind of do what you're doing and you're able to perform at the level that you are because you are not only a hardcore truth seeker and hardcore researcher and awesome content producer but um your entrepreneur skills and you're it sounds like you're adding skills all the time and um i know like i've i've tasted that realm of things and i'm i'm also consider myself to be an entrepreneur and uh, I know uh, how many hats you have to wear. And so it sounds like it's really amazing to me that you're able to produce the content that you do um, in addition to all those things and, and also being a father and uh, also being, uh, you have a karate dojo, right? And uh, you, you train like younger uh, kids still, or is that, have you been able to get that going out on the West coast of Canada? 
Yeah, I actually do. My main disciplines, I actually started my martial art journey reading about martial arts, reading, you know, different philosophies and ideas and trying to practice it in my backyard as a kid. And then I started officially in karate growing up with it. And then I've, again, the same, it was the same thing with this, with martial arts as it is with this research that I do, which is I wanted to keep it eclectic. I wanted to look at different angles. I didn't like, I didn't like the cult like environment that I saw in a lot of martial art places where it was like, this is the only way it, it reminded me of what I grew up with going to church and all of that. And so I stayed true to reading people like Bruce Lee and many others who inspired me to go, you know what, you're on your own path. You should learn from the greats from many different styles and then eventually become the artist, become the creative artist and turn it into your own. So the style that I teach is Japanese jujitsu with a mix of karate and kickboxing, but I call it martial arts because when you work with what I do, we, I've learned from many great people from all different types of martial arts styles. And I've just, I, I'm, I, because I opened the business, that was, again, I, I had to create the environment that I could go and continue to pursue knowledge in the martial art field that I wanted to. Because, I mean, when you're working two full-time jobs and you've got all this stuff going on, it's really hard for you to follow your real vocations in life and what you really want to do. And I feel for people like that. And I had to work and scrape and fight and bleed and do all that stuff to get to the point where I could do this. But I'm glad I did. I'm glad I never gave up when so many people told me that I should drop it and just go find a regular job and go back to university and do all this stuff. I'm glad I didn't listen to them. I'm glad I stayed on the, tra on the path that I felt was right for me. And that's resulted in my ability now. Like I had a full-time dojo, six days a week, you know, crazy schedule in Toronto. And Toronto's a very, very competitive environment, especially for fitness and martial arts and that kind of stuff. And we hacked it out for eight years there, my wife and I. We did a really good job, met some amazing people and created some awesome memories. But then I kept visiting the West Coast with my wife because her family was here. And every time we'd come up, we were like, what are we doing with our lives? Why are we in this big city? Let's come up and let's be closer to nature, smaller community. And you know, once I was able to gain the actual degrees in martial arts and the, and the time in and the experience, I mean, now I can teach anywhere in the world. I can do that anywhere and I can generate an income that way and, and also help, you know, motivate and empower people, which is what I'm really passionate about. And so now I just run, it's more of a part-time dojo up here. It's really relaxed, laid back, you know, West Coast vibe. Everybody's super chill and we have a lot of fun. And I work with all ages. I work with kids. I do basically, I walk into my dojo. I have a four or five hour shift ahead of me and I do it all back to back. I do young kids, teens, kickboxing and striking with the adults and then my jujitsu at the end of the night. So um, I run a pretty hectic few nights a week that I do that. And then I do some private lessons and things here and there. And then the rest of the time I'm doing this, I'm, I'm working on content and the content it's not a job for me. This is something I would do anyways. This, I'm sure it's like you, Tyler, like you're just passionate about this. This is probably what made you start this show and this website and do this, this kind of research yourself. And I feel that too. I've always felt that. And so I actually got really good at integrating research into my daily routine. I've got you know, a podcast going on in my ear. I've got articles in front of me here and there. I'm checking back and forth. I'm doing my other work. When my kids are around, I drop everything and I'm focused on them. And then when they start doing their thing and playing, I'm back on, you know, reading some, I got like seven books going on at once. And then uh, I work with Michael Tessarian on the Unslaved podcast. 
and I'm truly blessed to have him in my life and to be exposed to the research that he has that is one of a kind, completely unique. No one even comes close to my opinion. Um, not, and although there's some amazing people, I just meant in terms of his ability to bring that again, that eclectic nature to things, it's just, it's second to none. So I'm reading notes from some of the things that he's passed me. We're preparing for a new Unslave episode. We're working on this. We've got this project going. And then I'm doing all the producing and the, you know, the uploading and the editing and you know, all the things that now you're getting a really good taste of with your show, which is also fun if you know how to make it fun. And when I learned how to just sort of balance everything and integrate everything properly, because there's been many times in my career that things were not balanced and it's, you, know, you start ruining relationships or you can't keep up with friends or family and all that. So you do have to make sacrifices, but I finally got it to the point where I was able to balance everything out and make sure that I'm there for my kids. I'm there for my family. Um, but that I'm also showing up and making sure that I'm producing, not just because I'm trying to pe penetrate a new market or something, but so that I can be proud of what I'm doing. And that's my goal is that I want the quality of the research at, to match the production value and vice versa. Because when you're doing this kind of work, I feel like what I'm trying to do is pay homage to the great minds and the great people that inspired me, that helped me, um, and that also have contributed to my knowledge base. And so when I want to do that properly. So that's why I've just said, okay, I'm going to make a commitment. And once you commit to something, if you know how to put your mind to it and you can go through all the obstacles that are going to inevitably come your way whenever you start any of this stuff, if you can stick it through, then the rewards are great. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I, I'm getting a taste of things and it's, it's a lot to balance. But another thing that I've kind of done is align myself with like high caliber, you know, highly productive individuals. And, you know, we're communicating throughout the day and they're, you know, nudging me in this direction or that direction. Not, not because I can't drive my own ship or sell my own ship, but you know, um, there's people out there that are doing more with their time and, and they're optimizing their time and uh, they're able to fit more in a day, seemingly like superhuman. Um, when you're kind of operating at a lower level, you're like, well, how I don't, I just don't even understand like how you're getting this much done, but it becomes a flow and you're right. Like, so for me, you know, doing a show like I've done is more or less just capturing the workflow as I'm already doing it. So it's being more resourceful and, um, you know, like optimizing my time to be able to take what I'm already looking at and may, maybe move it into a slide or take that and start to put that into a notepad that will eventually one day turn into content because I've had so much value or I've received so much value from people like yourself and Michael and doing the work that you guys do. Um, I see the value in people passing their information downstream once they've put it through a certain process of vetting and kind of going back and then doing it from your own little perspective, from your little point of view in the world that is going to be unique, hopefully, you know, if, you, if you're on the path to selfhood, right, if you're practicing your individualism, um, then you'll, you'll become a, a light for some people in the world and be able to, you know, have them learn through you in a way what you're trying to explain, um, all in, in, in an effort, in a futile effort, right, to somehow strengthen humanity's defense system against the kind of vampiristic, uh, you know, technocratic cybernetic control grid, however you want to look at it that, you know, we've created here, but absolutely, you know, um, juggling all those things is something that you can improve upon and it, it becomes a more like spinning the plates. So they're still spending, you know, and you can spend a few more 
and uh, I'm, I'm getting a, a taste of that daily as, as things get uh, more, I don't want to use the word chaotic or busy in my own life, but, you know, because I feel like those are even like, you know, not taking responsibility or a weakness, like, you know, that people used as words to just kind of pass by small talk, you know, but, um, you know, honestly, someone like yourself is kind of like mentoring me along in a way. And it's a big reason why I wanted to have you and do a conversation or have you on a live show and do an interview is because I honestly do, you know, look up to the work that you've put out and uh, the, the people that you've decided to work with. And I have no problem saying that you're, you know, a big influence into what I do, although there's all kinds of other influences and a really wide range and array of work that I've taken in and including yours, but, but a vast, you know, amount of other people too, which we, which we all should do. Um, so along those lines, like how do you perform your research or what are some of the tools that you use to organize the information to put it away in a, in a box of this is going to be one day I'm going to pull this out and dust it off and bring it out into an article or a show. Oh, good question. First of all, just thank you for that statement. I mean, I'm glad that, uh, you know, whatever I was able to do was able to inspire some of you, what you're doing. And that's all it is, is I'm trying to pay it forward. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be someone here inventing anything new. I don't think if anything, I'm just trying to share my experience or my expect my perspective. Also, I think you'll find this as well is that when you start explaining things to people and learning how to break things down, into understandable bites in a way you learn so much more about the subject that you're covering so it actually helps me to produce the work and share it and that that literally all comes from my my martial art career you know you know oh i got i got i got some feedback coming in here oh there we go um yeah so basically i was just saying that when when i would learn something in martial arts it takes a while, especially in a physical space like that, where you're, you, you have to be physically proficient and it takes time and you got to drill it in. And then it's not enough to just know it. You have to know it to the level where it's ingrained, where you can perform it under pressure, under significant pressure and resistance. And so that kind of training and that idea and that whole field really helped me in this field because <laughs> this field definitely has its share of resistance. Let's make no mistake about that. It's resistance, not from other people, really. I mean, the other people are just mirrors of you, right? So the resistance actually is you fighting you. It's you going through your shadow work um, and your development as a person. And so what I found was that when I was able to take an idea or I heard a concept from somebody and then I heard someone else say the same thing in a little bit of a different way. And I was like, oh, you know what? When that person said it like that, that really made sense to me. So I really like that way of delivering this information. So then I would think about, well, well, how would I say it or what would I do or what notes could I add to that exact same thing that would make it even more uh, impactful on people that are going to hear it. And so that's all I try to do with Truth Warrior. Truth Warrior is a combination of my own ideas, other people's ideas, the influences that I have uh, working with someone like Michael and the people he's shown me to, you know, some of the great minds and books that I've gone through as a result of working with him. And then so many other amazing guests that I've had on my show and that I've got actually coming up. I've got some great people lined up on that show. And then also the opportunity to work on the Unslaved podcast is literally a life-changing experience for me. And I realize how lucky I am to be in that spot. 
Um, although I got to say luck, you know, you call it luck, but really it was just hard work and just doing the right, doing it the right way and aligning with the right people at the right time. Timing is also a big thing. And the people we've had to learn from uh, and the, and the ideas that we've been discussing and just sort of fleshing out, it's just all about helping the thinking process. I think what happens with people when they absorb information is it's because of the way the education system is set up. So I blame that entirely, but is that they think, okay, well, I want to learn about a subject, so I'm going to go find an expert. And that expert's going to tell me what I'm supposed to learn about it. And then by the time you go through the system, you just have to write an exam and essentially just regurgitate, maybe with a slight bit of your own thing, but just regurgitate the concepts that you were told. Then, you know, you get marked on your presentation, all the details of it, and then hopefully you get a passing grade. And then <laughs> this, is, this, is where, this is what goes into all the institutions of our society. And whereas this kind of learning... Um, Michael would say it's called apophatic learning. It comes from the Greek concept of apophatic learning where you're, you're not just trying to discover some new piece of information that you can break down and share with people. You're actually going through the painstaking process of eliminating what's not true and what doesn't make sense and what doesn't resonate and trying to just, you know, filter it down to what is true and what does make sense. And that's a hard process. And it, it, the reason it resonated so much with me and the reason I would say Michael's work resonated so much with me and why I partnered with him to the level that I did with that project was because it mirrored exactly the stages that I went through as a martial artist. And the fact that it's all about challenge, it's about going against the challenge and learning how to solve problems, not just whining about it or worrying about the way you did something, but just trying to constantly go through that process of refining what you're doing. So that's all I've, that's all I've done. And when it comes to the research, Man, I've got notepads. I've got books galore with highlighted passages and little tabs through them. And um, also just the conversations that I've had. I've got everything backed up and saved from every conversation I've done since, what, 2007 when I started my YouTube channel. I've, uh, I've been to numerous conferences. I've gone to different countries in the world and gone on the ground and looked at some of these burial tombs and ancient monuments and structures and gone through the cathedrals in Germany and Frankfurt and Ireland and London. And I've gone just, I've had the opportunity to go and do some of that stuff as well. So those things leave an imprint on you where it's not just about, Oh, I got to remember the facts I was trying to break down. Like it leaves an overall imprint on you that then when you speak, you speak with more power because you're not just talking out of your ass. You're not, you haven't just regurgitated something you had to memorize in school or, or, or just regurgitate the headlines that you watched on CNN this morning. You, you know, it's the difference between thinking and, and believing things and knowing things. And that's all I've been trying to do is, uh, is continue that process. And by no means have I got it all figured out. In fact, in a way, I feel more lost now than ever it, it, and not lost, but just the more you know, the more you don't know, right? Like it, that's the whole process. And I've learned to embrace that and not be anxious about that or worry about that. Or you know, you, you, very quickly in this field, you're going to stop caring what other people think of you uh, if you want to keep going. And I think that putting all those ingredients together is what at least allows you, whether you're effective at everything, whether you, you always doing it at your best or whether you make mistakes or not, is this a, the whole thing is the overall process that you're going through to turn something that is in its rough form into a diamond. And it takes time to do that. And these days, people don't have a lot of time for anything. They want everything in nanoseconds. It's got to be instant gratification. I learned a long time ago that delayed gratification is where it's at. And take the time, go through the struggles, go through the dark nights, 
and come out better on the other side. And your work will reflect that no matter what and no matter what anybody says about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, through, through the apophatic reasoning, we can definitely get a lot closer, you know, but, but, and, and through negation, you know, through the process of negation and tearing something down, deconstructing it and saying what it's not. And you can definitely come to that conclusion, you know, a lot of the time with any particular topic. Um, but then, like you said, like it's a paradoxical thing because, on the other side of that, you can't know everything even about one particular subject. And so even using something like the trivium method with, with the grammar and then logic and rhetoric, well, you, you can't have all the grammar and it's impossible to, to consume all the grammar that's available on any one particular topic. And so you'll still have some limited model perspective. Not that, but this is not to say that we shouldn't still then put in the time to do all that research, right? I think people take it that way. Well, you can't know anything, right? And that's not what I'm saying. I don't think that's what you're saying, right? You can definitely know things and you can definitely come to be wise and have wisdom on certain topics and then convert that into, like you're saying, actually living that to the point where you're, when you're speaking, it's not from some place of what you were told to repeat in school or what the mainstream media is telling you or even the crowd and the, uh, the different social pressure and uh, the, the pressure from the collective, uh, from the Borg, right, uh, from the NPCs and the different, even uh, extreme activism going on around us, which we see, which I was going to bring up later with you. Um, so yeah, but, but so it's not to say that we can't know things. We can definitely come to know things and then pass that information downstream. But what I've been thinking more and more about lately is that it's about a way of being in the world rather than the factoids that you know, right? Now, it's still important to do the hardcore research and study and deep diving into these subjects. And you've done that, you know, to the point where I would really like to th uh, strive to get to one day. I think, you know, you're, you're blazing a trail of, of research that encompasses so many awesome topics that your live streams are really valuable and the, the stuff that you've been doing because it's it is coming from a, someone who has a, a large perspective on things it's not just um you know you're not just popping your phone out and doing a quick thought about what you thought about the latest news article and this and that you know with trump or whatever i know you're a canadian but you guys seem to talk about us Americans a lot with our politics. <laughs> well, it's because it's because it's a hopeless situation in Canada where I live, where our country just elected one of the most incompetent and corrupt, scandalous human beings that I, is in the Western Hemisphere back to the office of prime minister. So um, when you look at America, I, I look back and I'm inspired by the original American values the values of liberty. And those are the values that were just refined that were you know, really the pinnacle of what you could call Western civilization, which is something that is under attack. And even me saying that term Western civilization on this podcast gets these types of videos flagged because that's now considered hate or something, which is ridiculous. But, um, you know, I'm inspired by ideas. This is the thing too, you know, all this stuff where you're, whenever you're trying to investigate, you have to be able to be, you have to be able to be given the room to be wrong in your inquiry and to, to think things through and to present ideas and then later change on different perspectives. Like people that go, oh, you used to say this, but now you say this. You're contradicting yourself. You're like, well, if you're not contradicting yourself, 
you're late. You're not doing your work. You're not doing that path of trying to pursue knowledge and wisdom. You're, that's just not how it is. Like it'd be like saying when I'm doing martial arts, oh, you used to set that triangle choke up differently and now you're doing it differently than before. So therefore you're all, you're just, kind of, yeah, blah, blah. it's like, well, no, it's because the way I did it before was working really well against white belts and blue belts and whatever, but then it didn't work against the higher levels. So I had to adapt it and make it even better in order to be, make it successful. And so that has to be present at all times. And also when you start getting into like, even this stuff with some of the trivium stuff, you know, and all this, all the hoops they make you jump through. And, and I get people on my channel all the time. Oh, you didn't check your grammar. It's like, well, <laughs> did you get the point of what I was trying to say? I mean, can we, can we move past this left brain prison that we all live in where everybody is hyper focused on every little single teeny, teeny, weensy, minute detail about everything and can't even grasp the concept that's trying to be delivered or even understand, you know, just the in overall intention of the work or the overall idea behind it. We're, we've lost, we're lost in the woods. And so, you know, I, there are many tools that I've used to help guide me on this path. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's perfect. I still have a ways to go, but I stand by what I've done. I stand by the fact that, you know, since I started back in 07, I decided to make my journey public, which maybe that's, maybe that was a bad idea. I don't know. But the thing is, is that on the way that I made my own personal inquiry into these great, very complex questions, public, you know, I've on the, even though I've picked up my share of trolls and haters and, you know, people just never stop talking to me or whatever. I've more than that. I've also inspired other people and I've got, I've get daily emails and messages of people that are like, man, the way you said that it really clicked for me. And then I implemented that concept into my life, or into my business or into my marriage or with my kids or uh, into my own research. And it's changed the game completely. There's no greater thing that I could hear. And it's not because someone's praising me. It's just because I just happen to be in the position of delivering the information and trying to bring it all together in some way that'll make sense to people and to just lead by example. Because what else can you do, Tyler? What else can you do in this world when you either just go crazy and you go, screw it, I'm going to give up because it's hopeless because it does appear to be hopeless in many ways. Or you could say, well, Maybe it's only hopeless because I'm completely invested in the, in the crowd. I mean, I'm completely invested in what other people are doing. And I'm spent, I have to spend all my energy trying to convert people and change people. And, and then you start to go, well, hey, that's what the system's doing. That's what the tyrants are doing. That's what these cults are doing. That's what these extinction rebellion whatevers are doing. Is they're trying to, it's a tyrannical way of trying to, foist your opinion or your thing on the world. And you go, well, okay, so then it has to be, if we're going to love the concepts of freedom and we're going to uphold them, that has to be universal. So it has, to, I, ha I feel like I have to deliver this information in a way that it allows the person that's listening to it to always say at any point, okay, uh, this isn't, I don't like this. I'm, I'm moving on, you know? And, and that's what I do. I put it up as a take it or leave it kind of situation. And this is where I'm at. And what do I know? Like, I don't have any degrees. I'm not an expert. So, but I'll tell you what, the information I'm going to share with you does come from experts and people who have all those degrees and more. Um, and so, and it's definitely something that is not being talked about. And who knows, maybe if you go and read that book or check that out, maybe it will inspire you. Maybe it will help relieve that feeling of depression that you have walking around or anxiety 
or it's the thing that's holding you back from going out and achieving what you came on this planet to do and finding your purpose, right? And if I can do that to just one person, I'm happy because it actually isn't even about helping other people. It's not. It just ends up helping other people. My focus is honestly to try to find the truth, to serve the truth. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So as much as I love hearing how it helps people and how much I, I'm motivated to do that, I'm not here to force anybody. I'm not here to say, oh, this is the channel you have to come to because I have all the answers. I've never said that. I, I, I know where my weaknesses are. I know where my biases are. And um, it's, it's not about that. It's just about a process that takes a lifetime. It takes multiple lifetimes to collate all of this. So I can't remember what the question was, but uh, I hope that got somewhere close to the mark. Oh, and you might be muted, Tyler. I can't really hear you. All I said was to the battlements, truth warrior. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like to answer your question, what else can you do? Uh, change your expectations. I guess as one of my old coworkers used to say, it's, it's your expectations that are wrong, and that was always like a great answer to a lot of the things I would bring up. And yeah, I mean, and you know do you expect that everybody's going to get what we get or what you get? You know, I don't get what you get. You, you might not get some things that I get, right? You're woke in your way and I'm woke in my way, <laughs> but um, we, we can't expect everybody else to, to understand these things, or at least I don't. And I don't have a hope for the masses to wake up uh, overnight. Or as you were saying earlier, it's a process to get to the level uh, where you're at and the ongoing process that doesn't end. And, um, Really, you know, me doing what I'm doing is is and is like I I put it I phrase it as a meager attempt to relay some information that I've come across that I think would be helpful to other people. But besides that, this is not my activism. This is not my movement. This is not my cause to jump on here and and repeat the dogma of some tribe of another crowd of people. Right. Um, this is in addition to things that I'm already doing that are flying across my desk and then being organized and put out in, in a way that maybe some people will find it useful. And if they don't, that's fine. And it's, it's not me aggressing on anyone, quote unquote, you know, you, to use another AI trigger word. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. You were saying about the Western world or Western civilization is a, an AI trigger word that, that'll shut down the stream. So, but that's okay. We have a backup recording going, so we'll get it, we'll get it done in either way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you're hitting it. It's, it's something that you just, if you really want to know the answer to a very complex or deep question, which I think is just human nature. Humans are naturally curious. We want to know all the answers. I mean, this is what birth science, this is what birth religion, this is what I think is, is I think a lot of even some of the darkest things that we see and we can reference it, some of those things may have been started with good intentions by well-meaning people. But there's another saying that I like that really resonated with me, which is well-meaning is just not good enough, unfortunately. Being well-meaning, all the, all the tyrants of history, they're all utopians. They're all well-meaning. Um, although we can talk about how they're probably like the primary psychopaths. But either way, uh, being well-meaning isn't enough. You have to 
try to orientate yourself to what's true and versus what's not. And we live in a time where we're, the old argument is back again. This is age old, nothing new under the sun. It's all just happening again, where they're trying to convince it, everybody that it's all about moral relativism. There is no truth. There's just subjective truth. And this is something that I think is very dangerous. And so there are things that light me up and, and, and motivate me to do my work. And I just, I put what I feel at the time into my work, what I'm researching at the time into my work. Um, there's plenty of times I go back and listen to old episodes of stuff I've done and go, Oh yeah, I've definitely changed on that. Or I didn't really like the way I delivered that. Or I didn't, you know, but that, that's something that's natural. It's the same way that I correct the form on my kicks or my punches or whatever I'm working on. This is about an art of expression and an art of learning. And you're trying to obviously go somewhere with that. You don't want to just stay stagnant when you're stagnant. You know, what did Bruce Lee say? Running water never goes stale, right? So you just got to keep on flowing. That's what it's all about. It's about a bigger process of life. And hopefully you can affect other people. I mean, we all want to leave the world a little bit better than when we entered it, for sure. I want to inspire the kids that I teach in jiu-jitsu, my own kids, the people that I know I've reached with the work that I do. That makes me feel even more empowered because I realize, okay, this is having a positive effect on people. That's great. That's just feedback that I'm on the right track, you know? And then from there, you can start refining it and, and turning it into something that's even greater. But um, yeah, you just, you never give up. And you just got to ask yourself a few basic questions. Why are you here? And what do you feel in, your, in the deepest parts of who you are that is your passion, that is your bliss, that is your, mo your motivation for getting up every morning? What would light you up? If you don't know that, then your mission is to find out what that is and go through the process of doing that. And if we can start there, then you can start finding that inspiration and then going and then you're going to start moving up to the level where you're reading the greats and you're also creating your own stuff that's unique. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. And if people think that this kind of stuff just happens overnight, it, it really doesn't. And if it did, it wouldn't be worth it anyways. It, the whole point of the, the, the best rewards you're going to get is not money or fame or all the people cheering your name. The best rewards you're going to get is when you look yourself in the mirror and you can honestly say that you're proud of what you've done and that you're happy with what you're doing. Not even happy. You're fulfilled with what you're doing. Your life is a fulfilling life. And that's not something that's given to you. Like what this world is screaming at every possible in every possible way that everything should just be handed all this fulfillment and happiness and wealth and pro all this that just needs to be handed by somebody else to, to, to you. It's not that way. It never will be that way. And even if there was a way to make that work, I wouldn't want to live in that world because that's not what allows you to feel that feeling of reward and fulfillment in your life when things are just handed to you on a silver platter, going out and earning it, going through the struggle, making it a study, the late nights, the dark nights of the soul, the challenges, the blood, sweat, and tears. That's where the real gold is. And that's what I think we've lost in our culture today. Wow, that was a nice riff there. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's like freedom without learning is a recipe for disaster is another way to say that. Um, and, you know, what you were saying a little bit ago about contradicting yourself and being willing to kind of put yourself out there in that way. Um, what I'm having to do or what I what I plan to do with those types of things is come back and correct myself. So this whole thing of this series that I'm in right now with my podcast is called Falling into the Movement Traps. 
And it's a whole kind of correction of things that I had espoused earlier, uh, such as like voluntarism and anarchism and the non-aggression principle and free market economics and anarcho-capitalist philosophy, right? These types of ideas and natural rights philosophy or positive rights, John Lockean kind of stuff. And then had to kind of like get these facts coming in that were contradicting what I was saying, right? Or how I felt or the people that I was interviewing back then. And then having that gut check of dealing with that and kind of saying, you know what, I have to address this. I'm not going to ignore this. And now I have to say to myself, I was wrong again. And uh, this time about something that was a little bit more, you could call it embarrassing or what what people would perceive. Well, the flip-flopping, you know, if you're like in the political left-right paradigm or if you, if you think politically, it's a flip-flop. But it's also growth and... Uh, changing your mind is not always bad. If you're doing it just to conform with the crowd, if you're doing it just to conform with social pressure or, you know, pressure from work or the, the, the guys at work or whatever, that's totally different than the argument that can go back and forth on in your head, you know, that you're questioning and checking your own shit and going through, you know, a trivium. Yeah. Apophatic making process with yourself, right? Like John Taylor Gatto, would talk about going through this process with himself, what he would write the book. It would take so long to write the books because he's arguing with himself the whole time. Right. And if his argument right. can hold up, then he'll, he'll, it'll make it out to this type of thing in a public forum. I always phrase things like this is in my opinion, if I'm about to state my opinion on something, but if it's like one of those things that you're like, no, this is, I know this and this is the truth and here's the facts and here's the backup articles and here's the show I did on it. And here's the guests that I brought on to talk about that you know, that's a lot more valuable than, than just kind of changing your mind as, you know, the new, whatever comes onto your friends at work or on this new thing. That's totally different than what we're talking about here, a growth process where you can go back and admit you were wrong. That's something that, you know, as we're going to talk about in a little bit here, like science, you know, is that's what science should do. And then there's mainstream consensus science, which is a contradiction in terms. Um, yeah, so for the falling into the movement trap series, it's um, going in and breaking down the psychology of why people fall into movements. And so I focus on kind of the things that I mentioned, voluntarism, anarchism, libertarianism, because that's what I'm most familiar with. But it goes for any crowd or any group of people that get together. And so did you have any of those experiences on your journey? Did you fall into any movement traps? Were you ever super concerned about cow farts at one point? Were you, <laughs> <laughs> what types of issues have you fallen into that you could share? Or if, if not, and you've kind of always been that lone wolf uh, doing your own thing, you know, that's fine too. Oh no, I mean, I've had my share. Trust me, trust me. And I mean, you know, I have a soft spot for, you know, some of the free market stuff and libertarian elements. And that's the thing. That's the thing is people want you to wave a flag and be a part of the entirety of all of the dictates of one particular ideology. And that's what I've always been allergic to. But I've betrayed myself in the past by saying, well, you know, I guess this, everybody else is doing this. So I'll just go with it. It's easier or uh, it makes sense at the time. And you know, I, I don't have the time to go and investigate all the details and think about it more and look at different perspectives. So it just, it, it works for now. It's better. That would be better than what we have. So I'll just go with that. And I've done that before. Uh, one of the things that I'll say right here is that I got really sucked into the whole Ubuntu thing. 
back when I was doing the modern knowledge tour. And, you know, there was a lot of, I'm not going to name any names here, but the, you know, there were people that I respected and still respect to a large degree, but that ended up coming up with ideas that I now realize are absolute and total bollocks. And that's just the way I feel about it. That's just my honest opinion. And it was my honest opinion because I saw through direct experience how those ideologies failed and how they failed a hundred percent of the time and where they come from and where they lead and what, how they're not thought out very well. But what happens is that you go for some of these things because you want to see a solution to the current situation that we have. You, you, you can't, if you're a human being that still has some blood running through your veins, you're going to look around at this, the current state of the world and the current state of our culture and our society. And you're going to, you're going to be like, ah, we need to like, what did Greta say? You know, I want you to panic, but I don't want people to panic. I want people to start thinking, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's just the idea that, well, okay, I tried that. I went on that train, you know, and then when you start to realize that you're motivated by a lot more than just the information you have, this is where it gets into the deep psychology stuff. This is where people start tuning out. Okay. When they should be tuning in. Um, it, that's what the game changer is. And so you go through it and you go, oh, okay, I'm on this bandwagon. Oh no, I'm not liking it. Let's go to this bandwagon. Uh, oh no, not liking that one. You know? And so you go in and out. Um, I had my time in the anarchy stuff, had my time there, uh, still have a lot of appreciation and love for many things within anarchism in terms of the philosophy. Um, but then when you start trying to lay that out politically and you start looking at the psychology of the average person and you look at history and you start comparing notes and you read great minds that have spent their entire lives going through it and you read the facts, you start to go, okay, well, I'll have to think about that aspect of it. So then what you end up doing is the same thing that I ended up doing within the martial arts is that I've taken a little bit from karate, a little bit from Kung Fu, a little bit from Jiu Jitsu, both Japanese and Brazilian, taking a little bit from boxing, taking a little bit from kickboxing, on and on you go, Krav Maga, whatever, Cali. And then you just, you, you, there's no way you could become a master in each one of those areas in one lifetime. So then what you do is you just take little pieces of it that fit you. And it's not that you're doing a disservice to it. As long as you show respect to where you got your knowledge from, like when I teach a technique, I'll go, hey, this is how they do it in karate. This is how they do it in jujitsu. And this is how they do it, you know, in the Congo, in the street. I don't know. Like you, you just, you show different variations of something. And then now people can see an objective point of view. I started to see how valuable that was for my students and how quickly they started to get very, very good at the principles of martial arts, which are universal no matter where, what art you've studied. Then you take that to looking at politics and going, oh, let's look at anarchism. Let's look at libertarianism. Let's look at, you know, you know the, whatever, liberalism and uh, conservatism, all these different isms, 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 and even the religions. And you go, okay, there's definitely some good there. There's definitely good ideas in all of these things, but there's also bad ideas that just don't work or don't match with other things, you know? And so that's why it's a hard process is because everybody wants a neatly wrapped, perfectly packaged, easy to consume, not too time consuming, definitely nothing challenging. Okay. It can't be challenging. Like if you go sit in a, in a meeting with a bunch of people who are doing marketing, you'll get, you'll get from them the exact pulse of the average person walking around today because they've got the psychology of the masses They've got those books on their desk when they're planning how to do these major marketing campaigns, whether it be for a product or whether it be for a new political idea or a green new deal or whatever else it's going to be. Right. So you sit there and you go, all right, well, if the 
most powerful people in the world that have the ability and the technology and the money and the influence to sway the opinions of millions, if not billions of people like that. What do they know about people that I don't know? Like, what, Why are they so effective at leading people down the wrong path? How is Mao Zedong so effective at getting an entire nation with a very rich history of tradition in China to be capable of allowing the deaths of untold millions under that ideology? Untold millions. And how is it possible that if you go to China today, I mean, yeah, there's the revolts and there's these fringe groups breaking away and wanting to set up something with more freedom involved with it. But you go to China today and the vast majority of them look at Mao Zedong as a hero. You can go into, uh, you can go into uh, universities. I spoke to university professors, had a couple scotches with a, with a guy when I was in, in flight somewhere who ended up being a professor at uh, Carleton University in Ottawa. And he openly told me, I'm a Marxist, you know, Marx and, and Mao, these guys are all heroes. They were just misunderstood. They just made a few mistakes and blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there going, well, get me another scotch. Fuck, what's going on? <laughs> and you go, how could this be? So in the universities, you have these people that are still worshiping these psychopaths. Like, just looking at that, you could, and we're just bringing up a few little examples here. And you go, okay, so it basically means that the vast majority of things that human beings have done on this planet collectively, the movements we've started, the failed civilizations, the failed, the bad ideas that have just shown again and again and again. Most of that has been wrong, but it is in the time, it was the accepted truth. It was the, it was what the authorities and the experts and the geniuses told everybody. And the average person who was illiterate, not that long ago, like we're just having people that are able to read and write in a for the vast majority, that's a miracle compared to if you just look back not that far ago in history where vast majority of people couldn't even read and write their own name. So they had to go to these priests and to these kings and queens and monarchs and all this stuff for their, their knowledge and their truth or whatever. And so, you know, this is a very recent thing that humans are, are breaking away, that there's even small packets of people that are going, you know what? Maybe everything that the crowd is involved in is just a bunch of neurosis. It's just the run, we're running around in circles, chasing our own tails, not getting anywhere, causing more destruction than we are creation. And then once in a while, you look at history, you get these little glimmers of light where there's movement, there's, there's a renaissance, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, you know, like I said, I, I have great respect for the principles that came together to found America. Not saying I agree with everything, not saying it was all ponies and rainbows. There was definitely a lot of, some, there are a lot of dirty British shills in there as well. But the ideas ended up happening that just never would have happened before. And then you go and you, okay, those were good ideas. But then how did they get corrupted again? How did that happen? And you just, it's an endless chase. But when you start to look at it as, you look at them in concepts, you, you see the over, what is it, the objective point of view here. And you really start to compare notes. Then you'll start to tease out patterns that you can see. And the the, the common denominator, I'm about to do actually uh, this tomorrow. Jeez, it's already coming up quick. I'm doing my first episode on my Truth Warrior podcast on cults. And I'm going to be doing a series on this. And uh, this is a rabbit hole, man. This will open up the, everybody's eyes as to why you should not trust the human race. Very, like in, in, in terms of collective groups of people uh, coming together. Because it, it, you just see how quickly it can go bad. And how what it seemed to be very prestigious, intelligent, intellectual people with degrees, types of people coming together, 
they're able to still drink the Kool-Aid, Tyler. They're still able to go and massacre millions of people. They're still able to uh, you know, commit acts of evil that are unimaginable. And you, you just have to say, okay, what's up with that? And, and, and we start seeing the signs happening right now, happening mm-hmm. over again that have already happened. And why are we keep playing this record? And that's if you are paying attention, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put you into that mindset where you're going to have to really dive deep and try to get to the bottom of these answers. And guess what, man? The common denominator amongst all the cults, religions, political stuff, idea, blah, blah, the common denominator is human beings, which means you have to look at psychology. So that's where I'm at right now. And uh, who knows? We'll see where things go in the next few years. And um, it's an ongoing investigation. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. We are the common denominator, especially when there's more than one of us, <laughs> and exactly. we're together forming our ideas and 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 uh, not using critical thinking and other things like that. Um, and like you said about the doom uh, earlier, and kind of what you were just leading up to there, um, which I I think I understand what you're saying. You know, this is so much every day. I start to realize more and more that a lot of the stuff that I kind of got into the movements for. Uh, was stuff that's not even real (laughs) and like sure there's things that need to be worked on for sure and like we do need to get our shit together and we have to you know i think like people that want to do this type of work should should start doing it and and other things like i always say like some some people's great work is focusing on painting paintings or making pies or cooking dinners and making food you know there's other ways to express uh, these thoughts and ideas besides just doing a, a YouTube show or something like that. You should right. just be doing right. what I'm doing, right? Like that would just be as much of a crowd psychology thing as anything else. Yeah. But um, those who, who want to and have the ability to, you know, do have a responsibility to pass along the information, again, going back to what we were saying earlier. But so much of the doom, doom and gloom stuff that kind of like sparked me maybe into wanting to investigate things further with what's wrong with the world which I don't think they fully expect people to do, right? They don't want you to go digging deep into climate change or something like that, right? They want you to just believe, and they know that most people will believe those surface level arguments or the surface level, not even arguments, just uh, facts blurted out there with no you know, foundation. Um, and people will accept that. People will accept it, especially if they see others accepting it and saying those things. And you're right. There's a fever pitch building up. There's a heightened sense of panic. And, you know, if people see me driving in my SUV, I'm getting dirty looks just for, because I obviously don't care about the planet as much as they do. You know what I mean? And so for sure, I'm really excited for the Colts uh, series. I saw something somewhere about that on your YouTube or something or Facebook um, about the upcoming series you're going to do. And that is uh, going to be awesome. I'm super excited for that. I just got done watching in preparation for this interview, the Prophets of Doom or the the Doom, you know, uh, episode that you did and uh, some of the work that you've been putting out recently. I mean, you're just nailing it on the head. You guys should, you and Michael and the work that you guys are doing, but you yourself with your presentations on the Way of the Truth Warrior, um, you're just pounding that hammer right on the head i think you should just keep pounding it It sounds like you're gonna so that's really exciting oh thanks um but let's jump into a couple slides here as we're you know an hour into this thing um i have some slides prepared that you uh approved me to go over so i'm just going to read this first one from bruce lee uh, you'd mentioned earlier and it says among people a great majority don't feel comfortable at all with the unknown 
that is anything foreign that threatens their protected daily mold. So for the sake of their security, they construct chosen patterns to justify. So what do you think about that? I mean, that goes in along with what we're saying here, right? That it's too uncomfortable, right? To bear any kind of what really is responsibility, but what, what would seem like breaking out, becoming an individual, you know, those types of things. He's, you know, saying that it's, it's easier just to conform to the already predetermined patterns that are pre-built patterns that human beings are already created. And that's a lot easier than breaking outside of that mold. Oh yeah. And well, well done on that quote. I haven't seen that rendition of it, but it, it's amazing. The, Bruce Lee, a lot of people just think of him as an action star that died young, tragically. Um, but if you go and read some of the things that he's written, and actually the Bruce Lee Foundation has released in the last two years, they've released a whole bunch of stuff that was never released before, just stuff that he's written on little notepads and things like that, and, and just his own daily affirmations and the way he looks at things. And it's just, yeah, it's that's profound. That from. Hopefully it wasn't taken too far out of context, but it was from like stuff that he was just writing down, apparently. Yeah, good, good. And wow, like just for him to just sit there and jot that note. I mean, he's, he's a master. This is so important. Um, the idea, so there's something I say to my students, especially when I'm speaking to young, my young students, although I have to do this with people of any age, really, is this idea that you have, if you want to be successful, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but that's a Zen cone in a way of saying, that, you know, your, your brain is going to play tricks on you on this path because humans are very complex. There's those little messages that are sent into our minds constantly about, well, we need the temperature in the room to be just right. If I'm too cold, it threatens my survival. If I'm too hot, it threatens my survival. If I'm in pain, my survival is being threatened. And then that starts to boil into, oh, well, that person gave me a dirty look. My survival is threatened. That person doesn't like what I just did or what I just said. My survival is threatened. And so on and on we go. And it, it spirals you into a fight or flight mode. It triggers a lot of um, internal trauma that a lot of people don't even know exist inside of their own psyches. And it just starts this spiral effect. And it becomes, then, it, then your mind does something very interesting where it tries to defend itself from this attack, which is something it did to itself, right? This is where it gets into the really weird thing about, well, who's who's directing all of this? Like, how can I think about thoughts? Like who's thinking the thoughts and blah, 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 blah. But that's philosophy. But anyways, the idea is that then there's this defensive reaction that is, well, I have to defend myself from my survival being threatened. So I'm not going to go talk to that person. I'm not going to, I'm going to allow that negative comment to stay with me for the rest of the week. I'm not going to do anything to combat that. Uh, and I'm going to stay in the safe little box. I'm not going to leave my house. I'm not going to try anything that has any risk attached to it. And most of the things people are worried about aren't even physical harm. Most people are more worried about psychological and emotional harm. And, uh, and you know, they should, there, there should be a balanced perspective there, but it can turn into paranoia and it can ultimately turn into neurosis and repression. And if you study any of the great psychologists or any thinkers, and Bruce Lee was touching on it there, um, They'll know that you'll know that repression is bad. It's what creates those demons. You become demon possessed. It's not because there's these little horned devils crawling into your brain and taking over your brain like some hackers. It's because you hacked yourself. You created a demonic form, 
And it's now what is guiding the ship of your body and your mind instead of your true imperial self or your true, that true signal that you call you, that spark of light that is your consciousness. However you think it came into being, the thing that's directing you, you've, given, you've taken away the true power that you have and you've given it to an illusion because you just want to be comfortable. So you can understand the dynamic that's at play here. And you can understand why people operate with that. But people like Bruce Lee are coming in and they're saying, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to be a slave to your fear. You don't have to be a slave to your limiting belief systems about yourself and the world. You don't have to be a slave to other people. You don't have to be a slave to all these patterns that feel safe. And this is what happened in the martial art world because he's kind of, he's critiquing that a bit there where it's like, he didn't like the fact that all the martial arts were taught with these fixed paint by number patterns. And he's like, combat is not like that. Art is not like that. I mean, you need structure in the beginning when you're building the template, you know, when you're, when you're getting everything ready. But then eventually you have to be able to break away from the structure in order to be the artist and then come back to another structure. So he's basically talking about the balancing here, the yin-yang force that when you find, when you see uncomfort in your life. So we're not talking about being an idiot and going and seeking out pain because you're a sadomasochist or something like that. We're talking just about, you know, the daily background noise, uh, the, the feelings of anxiety, the, the things that hold you back, the self-doubt, all of these things uh, that stop you from expressing who you are and actualizing your potential into this world. In order, to do, in order to win that fight, you have to start getting this thing out of your head that you just need everything to be perfect room temperature all the time. And you just need to keep everything perfectly controlled. This is where people become these control freaks and they're everywhere okay control freaks are everywhere and there's different levels of that spectrum but if you want to be free in your mind and your body and you want to have a fulfilling life worth having and you want to find out why you're here and live a life of purpose then you're gonna have to face some you're gonna have to have some cold showers you're gonna have to change the room temperature you're gonna have to go through some uncomfortable moments and you're gonna have to experience some blood sweat and tears in your life and then when you do that for the first few times, it's scary, it feels horrible. But then when you see the reward of doing that, when you see the reward of going out and coming out the other side and you've, you're now stronger and you're better and you've learned more and you can now take that on the continuation of your journey, you'll keep doing that and then you'll do it more and you'll do it more. And I see this all the time with kids that I have that come into my practice. They, they're all stooped down. They're, they don't even look you in the eye. And then six months later, they're superstars. And I only see them twice a week because it doesn't really take much because what we're doing is actually just getting people to realign back to their natural flow again. The society around you and all these things and the parents and the hang and the this and that, the master slave dynamics everywhere that pulls you away from your center. So if you're out there feeling confused and lost, you know, it, there's a lot of reasons why that's your natural state. If you don't know how to go through this process, we're telling you to return back to some kind of center again. So, you know, this is why in martial arts, the principle of balance is really, really important. You know, yeah, on a technical level, but it's also important on a psychological level. You, you know, you, we're all standing on a razor's edge. And uh, if you want to be successful at anything and achieve self-mastery in anything, you've got to be willing to bleed a little bit for it. You've got to be willing to die. You have to be at the point where this was like in, it brought up beautifully in the way of the samurai. You know, you read some the Hakaguri or... 
you know, uh, some Musashi or something like that, where it's this idea that the warrior that is afraid of death always dies. The warrior that accepts death comes out unscathed. So there's a difference between some unrealistic out of, out of this world expectation of something and just accepting reality as it is, accepting the uncomfortable things in your life and not allowing it to limit your performance because you're afraid, because you're, 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 you're confused and you're, you just don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to think outside the box. You're not going to find wisdom if you're not willing to go through some uncomfort, not just a little bit of discomfort, a lot of discomfort. That's what it takes. But then when you see the reward to that and the mind that you can grow and the body that you can grow and, this, and that is going to allow you to express that spirit or whatever you want to call it through this vehicle even better, you'll see that it's, it's a waste of time to sit there closing all the curtains, hiding in your little apartment and not going out and doing anything because you're so afraid of all the possible things that can happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what I like to do with, with people that are kind of what I've termed the secondary matrix, they're people that have kind of broken out of the primary like mind control, control grid, you know, and the public school system. And they're starting to wake up to some of these things, whether it be like, you know, vaccines or, you know, just that the media lies or whatever it is, whatever kind of information that they're going through initially. And, and they end up where I call like the secondary matrix where most of us still are. And I, I include you and I in there, but I would need to, to go into that more to explain why. Um, but even then there's the halfway up the mountain tench, you know, pitchers, the people that they've done some of that work that you're talking about, but it's so easy and so comfortable, like you're saying, to kind of just put an ism on it, call it done. Now you have all the new things that you need to say around the other people and you can, you can shove the non-aggression principle down people's throat and, uh, you know, you can do kind of like, you know, the Passio version of, you know, beating people over the head with things that they may or may not be doing or changing in their own life. Um, and that's one way to go about it. But what I'm trying to do is kind of expose and create that argument again for the people that have these kind of religious dogmas about these new cults, these new, the secondary matrix of movements that spring up and throughout history. You're right. They've been, it's the same damn thing now that's going on. It's always been going on. It's nothing new and it's a cycle and you can call it the green agenda and you can call it, you know, new agey spiritualism or anarchism. And they're always different masks for the same, you know, communist collective people that aren't willing to go deep down into the information surface level, just like anxious PTSD, you know, is how they operate like on a jittery, like coffee break level, you know, but yeah. So, but the adversity and creating that friction in your own life, in your own head to, to be able to challenge your own thoughts for sure. And, and that's something that takes guts to do. Absolutely. And it's otherwise it becomes atrophy. Like you're saying, the muscle needs to be torn down. I love the way you you've put that and the way that you bring that up into your work with the, you know, relating it back to your martial arts that that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of teardown that goes on and emotionally even, or physically to be able to build up the strength or to, to create that new platform to stand on to go to that next height, which you will continue to do. And then eventually you're manifesting your reality 
because you learned that you can actually put things into process. And as long as you're consistent and show up and keep pushing it, that there are things that are breakthroughs. There are moments where there's a leap, you know, and a lot of it doesn't seem that way. And right before that, it's horrible. <laughs> right. And then the first time you go through that, the first few times you go through that, you're like, why the hell am I doing this? And this is, you know, this is not worth it. I'm going to turn back. I'm going back the other way. Right. Which it's like, no, you're, you're, it's the next cul-de-sac before the gold mine. You're almost there. You just have to keep pushing it. And it never stops. It's a process that continues on, but you do reach levels of achievement, right? And, I, and it's very philosophical and abstract, what kind of the way I'm putting it, you know, but let's, let's jump into another slide. Let's bring it into one of your favorite, uh, the book that's helped you understand a lot of this from what I've heard you say is Gustav Lebon's uh, The Psychology of Crowds. Right. I believe that's the subtitle. It might be phrased a little bit differently than that. Um, but here he says, it is the need of liberty. Oh, wait. So let me, let me, let me start over because I missed a knot. It is the need not of liberty, but of servitude that is always predominant in the soul of crowds. They are so bent on obedience that they instinctively submit to whoever declares himself their master. So it is the need not of liberty, but of servitude. Going back to like a Frommian does man even really want freedom? Does, is freedom too big of a burden to bear? And what I opened up my series with, with was the struggle for freedom and answering that question that no, ultimately, you know, he doesn't or, you know, human beings are running from freedom or as Fromm would say it, escaping from it, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, another amazing gem from Laban. I, I did, a, I've done a few shows covering that. The first time Michael handed me that book, I was like, oh, what's this? A hundred years ago? This should be interesting. And then you go through it and then you go through it again and you go through it again and you compare notes with other great thinkers on this and you just go, holy crap, I'll never see the world the same way again. You know, what he's giving there is, is gold in the sense that, I love the quote, it is not the need of liberty, but of servitude that is always predominant in the soul of crowds. See, he, he, what, he's, what I like the way he did it is he set the stage in the book for what a crowd is. Because actually, a group doesn't exist. I'll just say that again for people that'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? Groups don't exist. It's something we've formed in our minds. Groups are consisted of individuals that come together. And there's nothing wrong with the human need for coming together with other human beings. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is a weakness that could be exploited when it's done in the wrong way. Because the problem with crowds is that the more minds that come together, the lower the IQ level drops. That's a problem. That's a problem. You have less critical thinking going on. And the reason for it, the reason why people don't want freedom is because people are living in a state of fear and ignorance. And the more they go to the crowd for all these superficial, what would the best way to say this? You're going to the crowd, not just because you want to hang out with people, have a good time and have a social life because we're social creatures. Let's just, we're, there's nothing wrong with that. But we're going to them to relieve this anxiety that we have and this, um, we're going there to essentially lose ourselves in the crowd. That's what it is. You're, you're going there to lose yourself in the crowd. You're not going there to really gain anything when you're at a rudimentary level. And I'm the kind of person that believes that human beings come with all the tools 
right? Active, you, you have all the, we, we do have logic, reason, intelligence, and intuition. We have all those things. Everybody has them. But unless they're refined, unless they're honed, unless they're trained in a way, you'll never have those, you know, all the systems active that are going to be needed in order for you to defend your freedom and actually want it. You do want freedom at the, what was it? We we're talking about this with Tessarian. He was talking about Schelling and some of these philosophers who were talking about how essentially the essence of man is freedom. It's just that when you boil everybody down to this one season common denominator group mind type mentality, this mob mentality, which is what happens when all of those other uh, elements that otherwise would make that person a free and independent soul exist, it, ta it takes that away. And then they have no choice really to absorb themselves into the crowd ideology. And for anybody that's like, well, what's wrong with that, Dave? What's wrong with just being absorbed in the crowd? I mean, it feels great, you know? Well, let's just go back and look at history and see how it's gone. It, it has never, ever, ever gone wrong. And in fact, it could be said that it's not the IMF and the Federal Reserve and the BIS and the CFR and the UN and, you know, the trilateral and all this stuff that is the most evil institution and organization on the planet. The crowd is the most evil institution on the planet. And that's why religions have been successful to the extent that they have from leading people away from true enlightenment and towards collectivism and slave mentality. It's the reason why so many movements, all the cults I'm going to be covering coming up, um, all the political cults, that's all they are oftentimes. And, uh, and that's not to say there isn't a need for politics. It's just that the way it manifests when it's done in a collective mind, a collective way to serve this blob of, <laughs> of this Borg, uh, then that's when you start to see everything fall apart because there's no critical thinking going on. There's no reason, intelligence, intuition happening. So it's the slave minded, it's the slave, the, to become a slave, you have to sell your soul, right? Isn't that the old thing? You sell your soul to the devil. What does that mean? What is the devil personified trying to always do? It's trying to pull you away from your own journey towards the truth and towards enlightenment and towards fulfilling your destiny and bring it back into your baser emotions, your, your baser instincts, evolve, going with the, what, what everybody else is doing because you have no belief in yourself or understanding of your own self-worth in order to be able to move away from the crowd and, and to basically sell you the lie that by being with this crowd that is partially mentally retarded when you put everybody together is better for everybody and it's better for you when the facts of reality completely contradict that and they don't just contradict it they decimate that that's horrible in every way when it comes to if, if you want to have a society worth living in that's about actual freedom uh and prospering the human you know the ability for humans to prosper and thrive so you know there's so much in that quote that we could get into but the idea is that he's trying to show you is that there is a reason why people lose themselves in the mob mentality. But if we just study this crowd as this thing and we look at it and we do a psychological profile on it, we'll see that it's pretty much borderline psychotic and it, it doesn't think rationally. And so I've, uh, you know, I went through a, that prophets of doom is one of my favorite presentations to prepare for, by the way. Um, he has another great quote where he says, in a crowd, every sentiment and act is contagious and contagious to such a degree that an individual readily sacrifices his personal interest to the collective interest. So you have personal interests in your life. 
there are things that you are here. And like we were saying before, once you have defined your reason for being here and what brings meaning to your life, you have now your own interest. You have just created yourself into an individual in a way. And in psychological terms, like what Carl Jung would say, you're on the path towards individuation. There's actually a whole thing behind how to do this. And, but then what happens is in this whole quote, he's saying the sentiment, the acts, the things that crowds do, all the clamoring and the sign waving and the flag waving, all that stuff. It's contagious. It's so contagious because it looks like it's powerful. And because every individual is craving power in their life, they're ready to not just go and join in, just to have some fun, go watch a hockey game, cheer for the people who win. It's not just that. It's something different. It's that you're actually ready to sacrifice your best interest, to sacrifice your mind, to sacrifice your critical thinking, your reason, and your intuition to the collective interest, getting nothing in return. You think you're getting something in return, but it's just a momentary fleeting feeling of, oh, I'm elevated because people are, we're all singing as one and we're all one and we're all chanting the same slogans and we're all doing the same thing. We're all, it makes me feel validated as a person. So therefore I'm going to go with it. And I don't mind selling my soul to the devil to do it. I'm ready to sacrifice my interest to the collective interest. And all you need to do to understand this point is go and look at all of the big social movements in history from burning witches and burning people and uh, you know, invading land and conquering people and enslaving people and murdering people and sacrificing people on altars to the gods for the better sake of the greater number or the greater good. Go listen to some Jibra Griffin. We just did an amazing interview with him a couple of weeks ago on Unslave. Got the opportunity to talk with him again. I've spoken to him many times. He's another great one you have to listen to about this. Um, you know, go read some Ayn Rand. And I know when I say that word, everybody gets their hackles up because they haven't read what she had to say and they don't have the ability to understand it. So they just read some article of some guy from Princeton who's like, oh, I don't like it because they don't know how to understand it. Because again, this is the problem, isn't it? If, a, if, if the status quo in your society says that, you know what? We should go and kill all kittens because kittens are creating a greenhouse gas effect that's going to destroy the planet in 12 years. Let's just use that as an example because we're pretty much almost there. Um, if, your society, if that's the status quo, if that's what the collective has decided is the new truth and everybody's out waving signs, kill kittens, they're evil. Look at those little shits. They never listen. They're just running around licking their ass. They're <laughs> causing the planet to melt down. We should destroy them and throw them into the fire. If the collective said it and you have no sense of individual, like, well, you know what? I, I don't think that's true. I, I fucking love kittens. They're cute and cuddly and they're animals and they're part of nature and we have no right. You know, if you don't have any spine and you don't know how to activate all those things inside yourself, then you will be overrun by the crowd. And then guess what? Now you have to live in that insane asylum that was created for you with everybody else. And you'll, so this is why, you know, when you want to learn about what real freedom is, you have to actually go and read the writings of people who were incarcerated and ostracized and many put to death. And you can read their writings before they were put to, to death to realize that, wow, the greatest tomes, the greatest writings, the greatest poetry to ever grace this planet came from people who were put in solitary confinement, who were arrested, who were hounded, who were thrown in gulags. You know, go read Solzhenitsyn to get some really good facts about this, how crowds really work and how they're willing to put you to the flame anytime you deviate from their dogma that they don't even understand themselves because they're, they, they're, they're psychologically mutant. 
Like they don't have a brain operating in their head. They're not working from normal consciousness. And so it's not just a matter of, oh, this is some interesting historical philosophical discussion here today on this podcast. This is, this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of life and death. And if you look at the suicide rates alone, you'll also start to realize, well, maybe there's something more to this whole wave of suicide than meets the eye. And I'm going to be getting that in, into that with my cults episode a little bit, because it's interesting that many of these cults that happen, you think of the Jim Jones and, and Heaven's Gate and Koresh and all that. There was this, this idea of suicide that was prevalent there. And it's because they're playing on this death instinct and there's all kinds of psychology involved and the fact that people are looking for any escape possible. And so the ultimate escape is just offing yourself and they know how to play all that and build you up to that point. And yeah. it's just incredible. So anyways, I'm oh, going on. Wait. No, that sounds great. I've, I've always said that. It's like they're trying to see if you can just do it yourself because they could just as easily do it for you, you know, but it's like yeah. they, they know that. They're just turning the knob. If we get the knob like this and turn it over here a little bit like that, he panics and freaks out like this. You know, that's a different discussion for a different type of episode. Because right but now, just, just a tone, Tyler. Uh, just, just to add to that is that you know these psychopath, these tyrants. At the, and we're talking, we're talking real high level elite people here. Like high, and they're very, very intelligent, but they're extremely psychopathic. They're bored of killing everybody. They're bored of mass genocide and carpet bombing countries and, you know, and, and watching everybody go to their deaths. And they're bored of that. Yeah. There's got to be a new game in town now where it's like, well, it's, it's, look at how sadistic you look. Again, the Jim Jones thing. You know, oh, it's, if I'm so powerful, I can actually convince people to kill themselves and their children. That's, this is about power, okay? That's how the psychopath thinks. So this is why this is important. This is about you being able to defend your not just your freedom, but also your right to life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, there's way more we can go into there and maybe that's a part two to this. And maybe after you've put out a few episodes of the, um, the cults and things like that, we'll, we'll circle back once I'm done with this series and we'll, we'll, we'll do another one of these shows. Cause yeah, you're, you're doing a great job just carrying on with these basic slides. I pull up, I could add a lot in there, but I think it's a good time to go to the next slide because of what you were saying, which is Michael, uh, and he says here, the crowd is an oppressive institution. It's not made of people, but of slaves and programmed robots and isn't fighting for anyone's rights. The crowd is always for enslavement. Now, most people are going to hear that and go, what the hell is he talking about? That is not at all what people want. And we're not just programmed robots and slaves. Like we're you know, and or any crowd, anybody that's identifying and taking offense to this kind of thing. I mean, how do you break that down? That he's saying, you know, the crowd is always for enslavement. You spend enough time with Michael and I feel like I'm not cherry picking something from him here. We're adding to this conversation and um, again, attributing it back to who said it here, Michael. He's a great uh, wordsmith and able to put things together in a way that makes sense to me. Uh, so what do you think about about that? I'm glad you cited him there. He's the master on it, to be honest. Uh, it's true. And to break down that statement, you know, the crowd is an oppressive institution. I rest my case on the pages of history and also what's going on right now. It's made people nothing but slaves and program robots and isn't fighting for anybody's rights. That's because he's talking from a psychological perspective there. He knows, you, when you know how the mind ticks, and trust me, the people that are running the major institutions of this world and we can get into the names, dates, and places another time. 
they know your psychology through and through. You don't know it, but they know it. And there's a good quote that also goes along with that that says that if you don't know how to control your own mind, somebody else will. You're kind of leaving it up for grabs. And the crowd is always for enslavement because, because of the fact that the crowd does not operate with the full capacity of intelligence that's only gifted to, a, to an individual human being. And I mean, j- just to, to bring that out a little bit, who invented everything? All the things we have that we take for granted every single day. Who invented it? Did crowds invent it? What about philosophy? All the great philosophers, even your favorite ones. Was it the crowd that birthed that? What about all the actual movements in history that changed anything? Were that, was it the crowd that was following the leader that did that? Or was it the individual? Everything boils down. The greatest inventions, the greatest ideas, the breakthrough moments all came from maverick thinkers that were all hated by the crowd, murdered by the crowd, tortured, imprisoned by the will of the crowd. That's that was the answer. Tax dollars. I, I thought it was just tax dollars that paid for all those things and created all those things. <laughs> but but to ta- where's they get the taxes from? Who votes for this stuff? Why do people keep voting in dictators? Go look at the faces of these people that are singing. I'm I'm watching. I'm going through reams of stock footage of what happened in the Soviet Union, what happened in Nazi Germany, what happened in you know as far back as I can get footage. Just looking at all these rallies of these great charismatic dictators and and propagandists and seeing the people just lit up and they're like cheering and screaming and crying they're crying they're like oh my god this is so amazing what about all these uh what about the benny hinn ceremonies or uh what is it jimmy swagger pedophile extraordinaire raping women yet people go to his stuff and just soak it up oh my god he's the next jesus christ what about all these cult leaders you go and watch for, for heaven's gate um, you go and you look, you can actually go on YouTube right now and you can put heaven's gate, just put heaven's gate exit speech. And you'll see the exit speeches of the people that decided to kill themselves to basically, they thought that if they killed themselves, they were going to, their soul was going to jump into some other dimensional UFO and then piggyback off the tail of hail Bob's comet or some shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like ridiculous, but they were happy. They were giddy. They were excited. Come, we're, we're, and they were all wearing uniforms. They were all in perfect uniformity. Again, look at what happened in all of these different places in history. Uniformity, can't step outside the mold. The crowd decides what happens now. It's all collectivism, okay? And anybody that is moving away from the collective herd, even if it's up to the point, even if it gets to the point where they're actually, there's mock human sacrifices or not even mock, real human sacrifices, uh, torturings, you know, this stuff going on in Saudi Arabia right now, right? right? Just like when it gets to that point and people are cheering your death and cheering your stoning and cheering your crucifixion or your execution. Then you can sit back and you can look at what Michael's telling you there. He's telling you that now, because this is a warning. This is, this is when you start talking about this before the people start getting loaded into the trains before the government takes over the means of production and utterly destroys your economy and leaves everybody in poverty, misery, and starvation. This, we're trying to warn people before it happens, not after. And we even have the people that warned us after. We have the Solzhenitskins and the, and the people that have reported from the, you know, what happened with the, with the concentration camps, the gulags and all this. When it's not just, and, and then people go, oh, Hitler was the most evil man that ever lived. Really? Was he? 
I mean, yeah, he was an evil psychopath, evil psychopath, but uh, was it, did, did that one man invade Poland by himself and kill everybody? Did that one man do all of the things that happened in there? What about Lenin or Marx or Stalin or any of these people? Did that one man do it? No, they started a movement. They attracted people to an idea and it was the mob that did it, that followed along with it without questioning it because they're so, they weren't given true knowledge and, and enlightenment and wisdom. In fact, the mob runs from wisdom. Go right now into your local marketplace, wherever it is, and just start talking to the average person about even some of the basics of, of this philosophy. You'll get laughed out of the room unless you're talking about whatever album uh, Lady Gaga just produced or who's up on next on America's Got Talent or what movie's coming out or what video game just come out. You're not going to be talking to anybody that's thinking logically. But I'll bet you this. If you were to, if, if that person that I'm using as an example, just hypothetically, or that group of people, that group of people is made up of individuals. At one time in my life, I was one of those people that was kind of lost, you know, and I didn't know, and I was led easily. How come I'm different now? What's the difference? Well, I was inspired by great wisdom and, and had those experiences and took them seriously and decided to take my life seriously now. And I, I went through that process. I it just, I don't, I can't explain the forces that came together to snap me out of crowd mentality, but here I am. You know what I mean? And it's still an ever, it's a, a daily routine of trying to deprogram and, and get rid of the mind control, right? But uh, yeah, m mind control isn't just some guy with a bunch of electrodes on your head and doing all these experiments in some lab. Mind control comes from mass hypnosis. That's mind control. And I've, I've done experiments from my, in my own research where I've gone to hypno stage hypnotists. I've gone on stage. I've tried doing it where I was resistant and I've tried doing it where I totally allowed this person to hypnotize me. And I've experienced both. And it, just seeing how easily someone can just by, just by the process of suggestion, it almost looks like magic to people. They can get random people out of the crowd, put them together and make them all believe that they're eating an apple when they're actually chewing on a tennis ball or whatever it is, right? It's because they understand what I'm telling you. They know what the dictators of history and that live today know about your psychology. So how do you deal? Well, you need to, just like you need to build your immune system for your body so you're not getting sick all the time, you eat properly. You get the right, you know, micronutrients, macronutrients and all that going on so that your immune system can actually fight off all the colds and flus and the diseases, right? So what's the difference with your mind? It's the same thing. And that's what these greats are trying to tell you. That's what someone like Michael's trying to tell you with that quote, that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to get drawn into that, but you will by default, if you do not have these safeguards in place and all these checks and balances built into who you are. Wow. That was, that was beautifully stated and a, and a great kind of summary of that section of the, the, the slide deck and just really just the whole big picture of, I mean, you went into so many places there with the Hitler really not being, you know, one single man doing all this, but, and that, that got me thinking about like, well, yeah. And then you're leading that back to the crowds, but then you look into that and there's like Anthony uh, Sutton's work with the wall street and the rise of the Bolshevik revolution or oh, yeah. the wall street and the rise of Hitler. And there's this whole other aspect to things that it, yeah, it definitely wasn't just Hitler and it was more not, it wasn't so much Germany, it was more Britain and America, you know, that were behind that eugenics operation. And people like Margaret Sanger and the Eugenics Society here in America were, you know, vocal and open about these things because of the ability to express ourselves over here, uh, you know, and uh, 
America and Canada and kind of what we're doing here. Well, that people can say whatever they want, right? So they can have an opinion about uh, needing to weed out the population, as Margaret Sanger would have put it, calling people weeds that need to be taken care of, you know, and extermination. You know who those weeds are, Tyler? You're right. You know who those weeds are? Those weeds aren't the dumb, ignorant goyim that everybody talks about. They're anybody, they, they want to eliminate all diversity under the name of preserving diversity. They don't want, they do not want a population full of autonomous, free-thinking, empowered, enlightened, creative human beings. They don't want that. that, that you can't control that. That's uncontrollable. You, you can't. You can't do that. Yet, if you had a society where a, at least a, a good amount of people in that society were that, then we'd already be in the stars. We'd already be exploring other planets right now. But here we are thumping about with the same stupid ideas again and again and again and keep spinning around the sun with the same stupid shit playing like a broken record because we can't nail this one point, this one simple point. It's not about the people. You know, someone in there is talking about, someone in the chat is talking about Donald Trump and all this stuff. It's not about one person. Who, it's, it's this idea that when, again, it's the idea that if you don't control your own mind, other people will. And when that gets contagious, it's, we're, we're experiencing a walking dead scenario where you're being led by the unwise. You know, what did Plato say? If you don't pay attention to politics, that you'll be ruled by your inferiors. Well, He's not just saying politics in the way we think of politics, like, oh, the Republicans, the Democrats, oh, that we don't. No, he's talking about as a philosopher, when you don't understand the crowd, the psychology of the crowd, and you don't know how to build safeguards against allowing these psychopaths and these people that are, you know, they're, they're not fully developed psychologically at all. When you allow them to get in power, then you're living in a nightmare scenario. That's the doomsday. That's the real meltdown that Greta should be talking about, going around lecturing everybody like that on behalf of the UN. It's, it's something completely different. It has to do with your consciousness. This is a war on consciousness. Michael said that in, I think, his first video. Uh, so many others have said it, and he's just repeating what other great minds have been saying. You know, And so we really got to nail this idea of what collectivism means. And we, we always have to explain this when we talk about it. When we say collectivism, people think you mean any form of coming together with other people. And that's just not true. We're talking about the technical definition of it in terms of a political philosophy. The political philosophy that you as an individual do not have your own inherent right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, private property, the thinking of your own mind, the freedom of your own speech, which freedom of speech is essential if you're going to have freedom of thought, wouldn't you say? Because isn't speech just another derivation of thinking? So if they keep shutting down your ability to say what you want, no matter how crazy and boogaloo it might be, then, then you're, gonna, uh, you're, you're not even allowed, to, you're not even permitted to think anymore. And then you go and you read all these articles that are sitting there. We were covering some on a recent show where they're trying to corral you into thinking about a subject in one way. They're trying to sort of bully you into thinking in one way by saying, well, that person is this and that person is that and character assassinating everybody that has a different idea. And then somebody that doesn't have any ability to think on their own is just going to fall right into that. And they're just going to go, well, I guess this authority writing for the New York Times, you know, must have it all nailed. So I'll just go with that because that's what everybody else is going with. And everybody can't possibly be wrong. That's not true. It's impossible that everybody's wrong. And I tell people, whenever I talk about the sort of conspiracy stuff you're bringing up, people always do this to me. They say, do you know how many millions of people would we have to be in on this conspiracy? 
for it to work? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And guess what? None of them even know they're a part of it. And it's because you need to understand human psychology and crowd psychology. It has nothing to do with everybody being in on the top board level of all this shit. It's just, you know, this is, it's a game of chess going on and we're all just pawns in the game, you know, unless you can break away and become a free individual. And that only happens up here. It, it doesn't necessarily happen in a society. In fact, I wouldn't even hold your breath for the day when finally our society will be free because where two or more are gathered, you have the possibility of this contagion breaking out. So freedom happens inside of you. Meaning in life comes from inside of you. It does not come from the world. And that's what we've got backwards, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, freedom is the path of the individual, never any group or collective. Um, that's right. That was phrased by somebody, or I phrased it, but I've taken that on as like my new, I say it at least once a show. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it leads good into the next slide here, which is talking about this kind of what you were saying, like what they want is this non-thinking person that just accepts, you know, what is said in the mainstream and, and then they believe that and then they'll go even, you know, virtue signal for that and join movements and start repeating it. And here, you know, James E. Talmadge says uh, the problem with that is that the man who cannot listen to an argument which opposes his views either has a weak position or a weak defender of it. No opinion that cannot stand discussion or criticism is worth holding, and it has been wisely said that the man who knows only half the question is worse off than the man who knows nothing of it. He is not only one-sided, but his partisanship soon turns him into an intolerant and a fanatic. In general, it is true that nothing which cannot stand up under discussion and criticism is worth defending because you'll also see that with these people right that they have the truth it's we can't we're not going to discuss it we're not going to argue it we're not going to take it under consideration and the fact that you don't believe it like you said well it, then millions of people would have to be in on that if what you're saying is true yeah i've heard that one over and over it's one of the classic kind of normie npc responses right mm -hmm. and it shows me that they're not thinking clearly because First of all, I'm not saying it. They, they say it and then they want me to defend it. And I always just say, well, you're the one saying that, that all these people have to be in on it. I didn't say that. So I'm not going to defend that now that you've stated it. <laughs> well, let me take that position that you've just stated and defend it now that you've stated it, you know, and it doesn't have to be like that. And we all, but it can be though. And compartmentalization is a thing and non-thinking masses is a thing and they'll believe what they're told and they're not going to investigate the actual information that's available on any particular topic, you know? So anyway, that, yeah, the summary yeah, of that, just to quickly know. on that quote, because that's important yeah. when he's just, just the, just what he's starting off with the man who cannot listen to an argument, which opposes his views either as a weak position or as a weak defender of it. Like I grew up watching debates. That's how I learned. That's how I started to see things. Cause I realized right away, okay, I'm a human being. I have a subjective experience. I could be wrong. I could be being led by psychological forces that I can't even identify right now. So it's very important that when I'm going to look at defining my position on a particular topic, that I look at the best uh, proponents of each side of the argument or, or all sides to try to get your hands around it. And then from there, again, this is that apophatic thing. Then once you've done that, then you can start going through the weeds and trying to figure out what your opinion of it is. 
And then it, you got it. And then you guess what? All that work is not the end. You can't just read a book and go, Oh, I finally finished studying that subject. Cause I read a book. <laughs> you have to, it's an ongoing thing. You have to constantly keep going back and going, Oh, well, you know what? I, I missed it. I missed it on this subject because I didn't know this part of it. And then I have to add that. And that's why it's ongoing. And only when you're allowed freedom to do that, can you actually come upon the truth? What they want to do is corral everybody into repeating mantras that are simple, easily to, easy to memorize, that are repetitive. And they know, what did, what did Hitler or Goebbels or whatever say? Make the lie big, keep repeating it. Eventually, they'll believe it. That's all they got to do. They just got to put it in simple terms. We're used to being advertised to all these brands that are out there. Uh, that are recruiting you into something. And, and there's nothing wrong with having a product, having a brand and doing all that. It's just that this is what's used as the wolf in sheep's clothing to solicit your allegiance without, your, without you even thinking about it. That's That's all I'm trying to say is think before you leap. Think before you sign the contract. Read the fine print. When that Mormon walks up to your house and knocks on your door and tries to recruit you into their religion, if you're going through a a horrible time in your life and you feel empty inside and you don't know who you are and you don't know which way is up and you're drinking yourself to sleep every night and you're, oh my God, and then someone comes and they got this big smile on their face, a nice suit and tie and a book that has all the answers to life. Very simple. You could get drawn into that without thinking twice about it and realizing, oh my God, I just got baptized into a new cult. And then what if it's not just some Mormons? What if it's, what if it's the Communist Party coming up to your door trying to solicit? And then what if they're not even at a point where they're even trying to solicit anymore? They're just, it's force. It's force now. It's coercion. It's you have to toe the party line or you will be hung, drawn, and quartered. What if it gets to that point? You know what I mean? So, and again, I come from the martial art perspective. I train in the arts of physical self-defense, but really, real martial arts is about psychological self-defense, spiritual self-defense. Because I don't, dude, I don't get in fights. I don't get attacked. Do you want to know why? Because I don't walk around like a weak, easy target for predators to come and do anything. I don't walk around like that. I also don't walk around like an arrogant, egotistical, I'll take you on any time kind of person. I walk in balance, you know? And that balance was, I can, you can only achieve that when you've gone through the experience of forging yourself into that warrior so that you can walk like that. And that in and of itself is a form of self-defense because it's a, there's a boundary of protection that's sort of, it's a, there's a communication thing that's happening there that's happening on a subliminal level. And I teach kids that when they're in school and I get parents telling me all the time, hey, my scrawny little kid, Johnny, he's going to school and he's getting bullied all the time. After six months of training, he's not fighting anybody and he's not getting bullied. How did that happen? And I'm like, well, it's because he's now put on his, he now has a psychological immune system. And those signals are being picked up by all those people that would have otherwise looked at them as easy prey. So just don't be easy prey. And then you're not going to have to fight a day in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we could just stay on, I only needed to prepare like two or three slides for this because <laughs> you're doing so great with, uh, you you're riffing on these. And that's what I love about, um, people like yourself is, and the content that you put out, it's a little bit longer form. It looks like this may go a little bit longer form today, but I love longer form content because Me too. you're able to express yourself in a way that I'm, you know, giving, not that I have some great platform for you to come and give your opinions on, but I really do appreciate you coming and doing this with me. But 
I, I'm not in a rush, you know, like I got to get to my, me and my buddies are about to go wave some signs in people's faces right now. And I, I have no patience for this kind of a thing. Like I, I, this is exactly what I want to be doing with my time. What, you're that, not preparing your mock death scene right now, Tyler? I think you should start working on yeah. it because it's well, going to be required my soon. Tifa clothes. <laughs> I have my Antifa outfit over here for my next video where it's a different channel. You, you won't even recognize me with the mask and everything. But um, I want to get into some of these other things because I know it's all fresh from your research and uh, you can riff on these things too. But I'm pulling up on the screen here that you can't see the consensus you know, people in a, in a group, they're all putting their hand together and it says this world would work a lot better if you just agree with me, right? Like you're saying about the, it's diversity as long as you agree with us, right? I always put it that way. That's so funny because it's not diversity at all. It's, it's diversity as long as you accept all of our mantras and don't hold a different opinion that doesn't go along with what we're saying, right? Yeah. And um, then I know you talked to Alex Newman recently. Um, he, along with G. Edward Griffin, have been presenting in this uh, online course that I'm involved with called Autonomy. And so autonomy is all about, you know, giving us the skills and creating the skills to empower the individual to ignite their potential and, you know, live a life of excellence and being, doing that through becoming autonomous. And so a lot of those skills, as you know, are going to be through entrepreneurial skills. Um, oh, man. I'm in. I'm, I'm signing on for this cult. I'm in. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> working with Newman, those guys, and the idea that they're trying to build those principles in. Uh, send me the link when you're done. I'd be curious to check it out because those guys are great. For sure. And, uh, you know, it's funny because there's actually one of the students lives right there close to you. And we were talking about um, potentially, you know, her swinging by the dojo with some information or some things that, you know, we won't state it here on the air, but... We'll, we'll talk sure. about it after the show, but absolutely. So the reason I brought that up though is Alex Newman, he came on and did a, a, a presentation about the history of American education, which I'm very familiar with. I'm touching on a lot of Charlotte Isserby's work and John Taylor Gatto. And uh, if you want the advanced version, you know, it's Anthony Sutton and looking into skull and bones and um, some things I'll put in the notes here since we're talking about it as well as many things that you stated, but the show you did on the history of the United Nations, um, this Greta Thunberg stuff that's happening, the Ralph Ellis interview that you did, the part one and part two of the great climate change debate, um, what we've been talking about, it all does centralize and kind of the hub of all this shit is largely the United Nations. And it's not some peacekeeping organization that's been, you know, slaughtering people ever since it came into existence for the last 50 years. It's a very nefarious uh, front for a group of people or a group of intergenerational families or a group of whatever you want to call it. The Luciferian death cult elite is what I call it sometimes because it doesn't matter what the hell you call it, but that's what it is. And, you know, we don't have to spend an hour on it, but uh, let's, let's end my kind of slideshow presentation because I went through a few of the slides. Uh, with the quote from Aurelio Pache here that says, the common enemy of humanity, and this is from the Club of Rome, so not exactly the United Nations, but I think it's the same pragmatic worldview. I think it's the same philosophical, they're not necessarily Dr. Evil sitting there twiddling their fingers, although I think that evil is a thing, and almost like you were saying earlier, like demon-possessed or being ruled by fear can get people to do some very interesting things, but it's the same philosophy. And he says, the common enemy of humanity is man. In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution 
the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. The real enemy then is humanity itself. I don't know if you're familiar with that quote specifically, but yes. I'm sure you're familiar, familiar with the philosophy behind that quote. Oh yeah. I mean, if you want to check out the whole thing, it is a rather long presentation, but if you watched the presentation that I did on the history of, I called it the history of the United Nations for dummies, you know, those, those book series for dummies. Um, and then I did another show with Alex Newman about it and that's just scratching the surface. And the UN is also just another front organization for some bigger players that, you know, think about it. I've said it like this. We know that there's these cults that I'm going to be breaking down soon and that we've spoken about briefly. We know that um, even some of the damage many of the religions of the world have done or political ideologies and all these different things. But when you know that there's a cult of power on the world, that, in the world, that has always been there and in different ways, as long as human beings have been here, there have been people that are willing to do whatever it takes. And we're talking literally whatever it takes to carve out the world in their own image. And if you realize that, you know, you, we all view the world through the lens of our own, well, through the lens of the self, right? Through the lens of, of your own true self or not, you view the world through that lens. You view the world through the lens of the information that you have. You view the world through the lens of your belief systems. There are belief systems that people have that are very foreign to the average person. Because the average person's not out there for multi-quatrillions of dollars and power that you can't even imagine. Most people are not even competent to become a millionaire, let alone get into the seats of power. And there's a reason for that. But um, the, this, is, this, this is power in a way that you can't even really define or have people understand. Because again, I don't think the average person really... You know, they're, they're just trying to get by. They're, we're in a mindset where most people are just trying to get by day to day. They can't even put themselves in the shoes of some of the people that we're talking about, let alone thinking about someone like Ted Bundy or Gacy or um, any of these serial killers, Zodiac killer, or the people that started many of these cults like Jim Jones, etc. So they can't even think on that level, that there could be that level of evil in the world. Um, and when you think about the United Nations, I always say this. In martial arts, we talk a lot about your stance, your base, the base that you operate from, no matter what element you're using, weapons, judo, wrestling, striking, grappling, your base is really, really key. Your base has to be strong. It also has to be dynamic. It has to be flexible to change on the fly. But it needs to have certain characteristics in order that you're not getting swept and kicked and knocked down. And, and you know, when they, it, all the strategies in martial arts are to take away your opponent's base because that's when you weaken the person to the point where you can easily finish the fight, okay? So I'm just using that as an example that um, in your mind, in your psyche, you also have that base, that base that gives you, you know, the, the feeling of life and excitement and uh, all those things, the joy, the sadness, the, it's all part of that base, of st that base structure of your consciousness. If people can get in there and sort of doctor who your mind and get rid of those base and put an artificial base there, it sets the stage for them to later take you out at the legs and you might not even know it and you might even beg them to do it. And it's pretty sadistic. But when you get into the founding of the base structure of organizations like the UN or whatever, you start to see that it's rotten to the core from the day one of its inception up to now. Okay. And 
that they're, 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 these organizations, they cover themselves in the sheep's clothing, which ironically enough is the symbol of the Fabian Society, the Fabian Socialists, who were another think tank and another movement that happened uh, to try to bring about this world order or whatever. It's actually the symbol of that organization is a wolf in sheep's clothing. You can go look it up. I think that's interesting. Of all the symbols and all the logos, that's the one. Um, and then, you know, you look at the founders of the UN, for example. Look at the symbolism of the UN. I went through that a little bit. Just some touching on the, just the symbolism used in the Security Council chambers and all that. Just, it's just interesting to look at. The phoenix rising and the, oh, listen. It's got this, uh, this uh, Russian-Italian sort of... Um, style to it. I think it was done by a, a, a t- Italian artist who was a Catholic or whatever. And then when you start looking at the guys that founded the UN, you go into people like Alger Hiss, who was a Soviet spy. Like he was a, he worked for the Communist Party in Russia. He was a Soviet spy. He was actually put on trial for it. Uh, you have the land being donated by people like David Rockefeller, who was openly called for world government, world population reduction. Um, we need to get rid of the concept of liberty and we need to have the world run by these unelected technocrats and elites, you know, instead of a democratic, democratic process or, or a process of having a free republic. You know, um, you have the UN just loaded with people that were involved directly with, I mean, it's got Nazis, ex-Nazis involved with it, ex-people uh, that were involved in mass murder, people that were involved in all kinds of horrible things, or at least the regimes, they were involved with the regimes that were a part of doing those things. So it's the wrong crowd right from the beginning. And then when you look at the ideas that were there, when you read all of the fine print on the UN websites and you look at it and you study it, you start to realize that this is taken chapter and verse out of communist Soviet propaganda and propaganda that's been used in many different countries. They actually, the UN actually brought Mao's China, so his party, the what was it, the People's Party, or not the People's Republic, it was, uh, you know, the Chinese, whatever that, the Mao Zedong had formed the new Communist Party, and the UN actually swapped the original founding member that was in the China camp there, the Chinese, I think it was the Chinese Republic, China, People's Republic of China, that was anti-communist, they swapped them for the communists, for Mao Zedong and his gang to come in and represent China. There's all kinds of things. And then we got into all the atrocities of the actual ground invasions and the genocides and the rape and the pillaging and on and on we could go. And this happens, it's systemic throughout the UN and all of their wars and all these things. Then you look at the laws that they came in with these international laws that allowed presidents and prime ministers from different countries to subvert the constitution of their countries in order to follow this international law to go and create and cause all kinds of mayhem and murder and mass destruction. You know, the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan, which were, that's why people call them illegal wars is because they weren't voted on by Congress. They were not, the people of America didn't want those wars. We couldn't, they couldn't afford it and they didn't want it. And yet Bush and gang Clintons, they all just subverted the constitution to go and follow the UN charter to go and do great, great and untold damage and evil on those countries that has decimated them, destabilized them. And then now they're telling you, well, it's up to you guys in the West to go clean it up. You dirty, filthy, freedom loving capitalists. You better take all these people in and fix our mess that we created in your name and used your forces as our guinea pigs to go out and perpetrate 
on these countries. It's now it's your problem. You average working class American or Canadian or Australian. It's your it's your fault now. You privileged white, whatever the hell we can else we can call you to make you feel guilty. On and on we could go. On and on we could go. And I did a far better job presenting it, by the way, in that show, just going through the slides, you know. But you know, you've got the people that were forming the secretary generals, you know, you've got open communists, socialists, and fascists working within the UN from day one up to the present day. How can that ever be a force for good in the world? No matter how you go to their website and read all the, oh, it's about humanity and bringing the world together and promoting freedom in places that didn't have freedom before and protecting people that were involved in sex slavery and human trafficking. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to force those nasty regimes and countries over there to stop doing human trafficking, even though behind the scenes, we're a part of the entire enterprise and all the people involved in our organization are shaking hands with people that are a part of those types of activities and might even be funding those activities. And the people that fund the UN also fund the black market and the pedophile rings and all that kind of stuff. And that's been, that's been coming out for decades. And yet nobody lifts a finger. And here we now have, we live in the age where people have forgotten conveniently the true history of this organization and what it's perpetrated on the earth. And now we have this young girl with her braids. You know, we have Greta. My name is Greta Thunberg. And I want you to panic, right? Wants you to panic because she doesn't want you to think. And I mean, she's just a puppet, obviously. She's just being used to panic the world and, and get all the young people behind the movement because they know they're not going to convince people like us, Tyler. They know they're not going to convince my grandparents or even my parents because they know that my grandparents and my parents were raised with decade after decade of predictions of doom and chaos and acid rain and volcanic eruptions and Greenland ice sheets melting and the skies falling for decades and none of that shit happened. So they know they can't pull the wool over their eyes unless they're complete, you know, you still obviously have those people from the older generation that didn't pay attention during those years, but there's too many people that would go, yeah, I just, I don't know if I can trust you on that one. You lie to me once, shame on me or shame on you, lie to me twice, shame on me, right? They know that. So they know the younger generation is vulnerable and they've written about this. And that's why I'm glad you were talking about Alex talking about the education system, because guess who funds all of the programs and the, and the, the equalization of all the mm -hmm. educational systems and programs. And they want this, the, what do they call it? The standardized testing and all this stuff. They even have this world standardized testing now. Um, and they want complete conformity. They want complete conformity. And they want, they've obviously even people that run in the, in the highest positions of power in the UN have openly said, Hey, we actually admire China. We admire China's model. We want China's model for the world. Yeah. Go listen to Brzezinski talking about that and Kissinger and my own prime minister, Justin Trudeau and his father, who I don't even get me started on him. <laughs> this guy who he used to hang out with. Unbelievable, you know, um, and, you know, on and on we could go with, with the UN specifically. But again, that's just an, if you get into the Cecil Rhodes roundtables and you go back into the history of this and you go and track it. And you see who funded and financed these Nazi parties, these communist parties. The same people that funded and financed the Nazis also funded and financed the communists. Yet historically, you go to university and they're like, well, 
the, uh, the communists were actually opposed to the Nazis. And that's why we've now created our political spectrum so that on the far left is communism and on the far right is fascism. When really they were all, they were just two different brands, two different brands that were espousing essentially which is a few little differences, but it's the same thing. It's collectivism. It's, it's central control over the means of production. And there's just different variations of that. And that leaves you subject to the mob. That leaves you subject to the herd uh, mentality. And so there is no freedom. And then because there's no freedom, there's no ingenuity. Because there's no ingenuity, there's no work being done. And people start competing to not work because they don't want to do more work than some other guy because everything has to be perfect equality. So nobody's really achieving potential. And then people start actually competing against each other as to who's going to do the dirty jobs and who's going to do any job because nobody's getting compensated for it. And then if the, everybody starves. And then... The government is killing people because there's space and it's just, it's about to turn into war. And we've just seen the same thing go again and again and again. And you have these organizations like the UN and so many others that are advocating for ideas that are very, very similar, if not identical to the ideas that led to the deaths of over 150 million people in the 20th century alone. So I, I don't know, that's not a recipe for um, a goodness and virtue and enlightenment and freedom and uh, helping the world. Um, we're dealing with a snake in the grass. And that's why I went to such lengths to try to expose it. I could do countless shows on all the nitty gritty details for people, but I figure, hey, at least I can give you the synopsis and then hopefully you'll pick it up and run with it. I put scores of links of research into the description fields of those shows so people can go and look into it and research it for themselves. And um, that's how it has to be, Tyler. I can't just sit here and talk about it. You need to see it for yourself in order for it to really sink in. And so that's always I, what I've always said in my shows is, uh, you know, here, I'm going to present this to you, but I'm, then I'm going to give you all the sources to the, you know, this, all the research notes that you're going to need. And then you have to pick it up and run with it if, if you really care about it and if you really want to know the truth about it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing that. And, I, you know, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but you did a great job of kind of giving a high level overview as well as picking out some details there that were important to drop in. Um, and so I will refer people to your presentation on the history of the United Nations and then the talk with Alex Newman. Um, I'm going to be seeing him in Red Pill coming up on the 8th and 9th of November cool. in Mesquite, Nevada. I think he's speaking there. And then G. Edward, we're trying to line up an interview um, with him. So I have some contacts that know him. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll do a sit down chat with him at least maybe a 15 minute quick thing if that's all the time that he has. And uh, beyond that, I mean, what you were saying is just like, people do need to go check out your work on that and then keep going because it's it is and a lot of the time people like their eyes get glazed over as soon as I mentioned like Cecil Rhodes round tables and skull and bones and you got another milliner round table you know society and how all this works as a council on foreign relations like it's a bit you build up the information you'd be able to understand all this but like you were saying when you started like you know you just have all these factoids kind of like well here's what you need to know is the council on foreign relations and the rothschilds and this is another issue with the crowds and groups and movements right is that people start to just kind of well now i have it all figured out because i've been told by the freedom movement what I need to repeat, you know, to know all the things about the Federal Reserve and whatnot. So there is two sides to it, but the, the, the energy you're bringing to it, the conversation that you're bringing out and discussing with the work on the United Nations is definitely needed. And, uh, you know, I can 
go into depth on a lot of the stuff you were talking about. And so you don't have to make the case for me, but it just seems so lost on people. They just don't get it. They don't understand that wolf in sheep's clothing aspect. And that's exactly what the United Nations does is they go bomb the shit out of a country, install Fabian socialism, which is an elitist authoritarian, you know, worldview and, and way of organizing society and then call that freedom. And it's the exact opposite. It's true. It's not freedom at all. And once you're in the IMF, BIS, you know, Bank of International Settlement System, um, you know, the, then your country's already been economically conquered. Um, so I, I argue that it's already economically done. Like the world government is here. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you, it's not on the news headline yet. You know, like they haven't, Donald Trump hasn't told you yet. And the news hasn't told you yet. Although, you know, Americanism, not globalism, like he's talking about yeah. it. But even then people just think, oh, that's some right wing thing. You know, the way that he's doing it. It's just some, you know, it's not about a, a collective conspiracy to rule over humanity and not just kill them off, like you were saying, but control them. And, you know, the big thing now is the mental control. And so we need to build our defense mechanisms up against this even more now, you know, than ever. And the tools and technology that we need to kind of empower ourselves with. Uh, it's funny because it's all militarized, like everything we're using, the Internet, our cell phones, GPS, conferencing systems encrypted technology it's funny because it's a giant death cult everything i mean it's not funny at all but everything is coming out of the military industrial complex everything we're using here to even communicate with we we live in a giant death cult you know so i'm <laughs> i'm really excited to see the the new stuff that you're putting out but some of the other work that i know you've gone into is nathaniel brandon and ayn rand like you were saying and um individualism what people call like radical individualism or selfishness and they try to cast it in a negative light but obviously self-esteem is going to be one of the highest you know most important key components to all this um in, in installing that antivirus and that firewall in yourself because the 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 person with the connection to self the person with that um internal dialogue even you know if they found that and connected with uh, the, their true self and they know thyself or they're at least asking asking the questions to get there they're a lot less harder i mean they're a lot less easy they're very difficult to mind control that person right they have a different operating system running they don't just buy into whatever the mainstream collective consensus science narrative is saying so you know we can talk about nathaniel brandon's work a little bit because just like you like michael kind of introduced me to his work I've been consuming it, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. I have a bunch of his audio archive collection downloaded. A lot of it's on YouTube. And it's been extremely helpful. Um, but here we have a quote from Nathaniel Brandon. And it says, Rebelliousness or unconventionality as such do not constitute proof of individualism, just as individualism does not consist merely of rejecting collectivism. So it does not consist merely of the absence of conformity. A conformist is a man who declares, it's true because others believe it, but an individualist is not a man who declares, it's true because I believe it. An individualist declares, I believe it because I, have, I see and reason that it is true. And that's from his work, uh, Counterfeit Individualism. So, you know, what he's saying there is, there's a process that someone can use even to determine the truth of a matter and he's you know reason and logic being those tools and i don't believe it because i believe it or i don't think it's true because i believe it but because you know i've 
and I, and I'm not also just believing it because everybody else believes it. Um, but we don't have to just stay on that quote. I mean, tell me how if Nathaniel Brandon's work, uh, if it's been important to you, or what your take is on it this far into your going through it. Oh, fantastic quote! You've really found some good gems here, man. This is great. Um, Nathaniel Brandon's work has just been monumental for me. Um, it came at the right time. He just had a way of summing up things that I had heard from other speakers and teachers on it, but it was just so well said. It was like he said it so well that I, I couldn't ever top it. No one ever really needs to do it. It's already kind of done. <laughs> he, just, he, he said it all. And, you know, so all I try to do is do homage to people like him in my work and, and show people the other side that's missing from this whole discussion about what, what would be the perfect society and how do you, or how do you live a life in such a dark world? You know, whether you believe that there's forces of conspiracy at work or whether you believe just that it's human nature or whether you, whatever you believe about it, I'm sure we can all look at the same mess and come to different conclusions about how we got to that mess and why, why we see still war, death, destruction, poverty, evil, lies, manipulation, still running amok in the world eventually you're going to come down to the point, well, all of this evil and destruction is being done by people. So what's wrong with those people that are doing this? Even if they were ordered to go and slaughter somebody, even if a tyrant rose up and ordered everybody to go start killing people, what is it in the people that are carrying out that order that's allowing them to be capable of doing that? And then that's just the extreme version of it. What about the stuff going on in your own everyday life? What about the, the tyrants in your own life? What about the dictators in your own life? And why do you keep going back to them with some kind of Stockholm syndrome, even though they abuse you and take advantage of you and mock you and talk down to you? Why do we keep turning up and showing up and signing on for the abuse course again and again and again? The only answer I came up with was reading Nathaniel Brandon's work and Bruce Lee and many others, where it was like, it's because people don't have a sense of value. And he defines self-esteem as the capacity to cope with the basic challenges of life, the knowledge that you have the capacity to cope with the basic challenges of life. So his work is kind of universal and it can apply to every field you're involved in because you are a part, you are the common denominator in all the activities you're doing or not doing. So if you want to learn true magic and true power, you need to read that man's work and you need to really start taking it seriously. And, and there's so many other great ones, but you know, just, it's a great place to, to start. And when he started really defining this thing called self-esteem, you'll realize that what people say about self-esteem today, all the writers today coming out of the new age or all the books you're going to find on the shelf about it. Even a lot of these social justice warrior types are talking about self-esteem you'll realize that they're counterfeits. They're not talking about the real deal because they don't even understand what a self is. This guy gave you the definition for it. Now you know, right? Like once you read his books, you, you, you'll just, you, now you know. You don't have to think, you don't have to guess. You'll just go, oh, now I get it. Now I understand the root behind why we see so much of this destruction in the world and why I see nothing but tyrants and slave masters coming around me in my life. Now I understand control freaks. Now I understand just the way people tick and what motivates them without them even knowing what's behind what motivates them. Now I know why, when I go on social media and I see people that I used to know acting completely ridiculous just to try to get affection from people that ends up being fake 
and you know all that. Now I understand what's behind it. Now I, I get it. I get it. It's the loss of selfhood. It's the loss of being centered. It's the loss of having value. And if you don't have, Michael was breaking this down in a clip. I just posted it. You can go to the Unslave Facebook page. And he was talking about it on a show that I did with him on my channel. He's breaking down the idea of value. It was just, it was amazing. And it, it comes along the same vein of what Brandon was defining in his work too, about what value is. What is it? And I just ask people, what do you value? Every time my kids, the kids come into class, I sit them down and I ask them, why are you here? Do you know why you're here? If you're here, to, if you, if you, if you're here for any other reason than to learn jujitsu and get better at it, then you're probably in the wrong place because you're just wasting your own time here. Like, but if you are here to get better at it, then here, I'll, I'll open it up and I'll create, we'll, I'll show you that you are valuable, that you do have value and that you can actually, you can, you can develop that and, and you can express yourself and you can get to know who you are by facing challenges and overcoming challenges and slaying dragons, so to speak, you know, that's how you learn. And so if you don't have contrast of what's not valuable with what is valuable, then you won't have any value. So these people that want to create this equalized world, this one season gray world, they're trying to eliminate value. They have to eliminate value. And that's why they're going to attack anybody that's out there telling people the true meaning of value. That's why Nathaniel Brandon's name and people like him are not up in the lights. They're not the popular uh, people that the, the popular books people are reading. Although he was very successful during his day, but not even close to a, like a Tony Robbins or any of these people. Right. So, you know, I could, all I could really say is, you know, when you get into, you know, six pillars of self-esteem, another one that's really good that I like of Brandon's work is the art of living consciously. How many people out there are even living consciously? You might think you are going to all the yoga retreats and doing all the bead rolling and stuff, but you're not living consciously. It's, it's a different way of looking at it. And it's just so profound when you get into what, what he's talking about. Actually, there's a lot of great, a lot of great principles in there that I found in the martial art literature as well about, about that. And, and I've always known as well, like I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of competition in martial arts. I've done a lot of performances live on stage. I've done lots of big work. And if I didn't go into those situations with an absolute knowledge of belief in myself, even when I doubt myself for a moment, or even when I'm worried, Oh, maybe I'm going to slip up and, and, and mess up in front of everybody. If I didn't know how to come back to my center again and realize that I'm not doing this for other people, I'm doing this to, for myself to do it so that I'm proud of myself. If I didn't have that anchor in my life, I wouldn't have succeeded. So if that can happen in my life, then we can see what happens to a society and a culture and even a civilization when they lose confidence in themselves, when there's nothing but um, division and uh, discohesion and confusion and all of the stuff that we see where people are, the reason people are willing to absorb themselves into the mob mentality, like we were saying, and the reason they're willing to bow down before uh, an evil person and give their mind over to somebody that is of that disposition, then you'll, you'll realize that it all boils down to their level of self-worth or their lack of self-worth, their view of themselves. If it's true that you view the world through the lens of the self, then you'd better hope that your definition of yourself and your respect for yourself is important. It is important because if it's not, then the way you're viewing the world is through something that is artificial. And that's why we see so many people living an artificial lifestyle 
inauthentic emotions, lack of emotions, really, uh, the inauthenticity that we see. It all stems from the fact that there's no authentic connection to the true self. And even if you're coming from a religious paradigm, if you're coming from a Christian background, I mean, all this stuff was already said in the Bible in certain places. You've got the Christ figure himself saying, the kingdom of heaven is neither here nor there. The kingdom of heaven is within you. What is he talking about? You know, and then you go to someone like Schelling who says, nature is visible spirit and spirit is invisible nature. And if you understand that spirit or God or divinity or whatever is, you have a spark of that within you and that is the self, then if you have a skewed version of that or you're drowning that voice while hiding through all these different ways that the world offers you to hide from it, then you can't be really that surprised when you see the people that we see suffering from the mental conditions that they suffer from and, and acting in the way that they do. And then it's only natural that predators will come or vultures will come or maggots will come and try to eat the dead carcasses that are remaining, which is the soul of the human race at this point. So not, not everybody, but I'm speaking in general terms because we're here talking about collectives, right? And I, ho I hope you're the exception to that. I hope you've made your life into something that makes you the exception to that rule that we see that we can easily apply to these crowd mentalities, right? So I can't recommend it enough. I've done scores of shows and video logs and stuff on my channel for years about this subject. Self-esteem and the whole thing is really, really key to my work. It's, the, it's what I always come back to. So even when I do cover politics, philosophy, religion, or whatever, I always try to bring it back to, okay, how's this relevant to you in your life? You're going to wake up tomorrow. You probably got to go to work. You got to go get some groceries. You got to do your everyday activities. Um, you know that as an individual, you know, there's probably not very much you can do about changing the status quo or, or helping to awaken the entire world. Uh, so what can you do then? Well, I've always argued that you have enough work on your hands just dealing with what's going on in your own life. And we live in a time that we can't really mess around very much anymore. We live in a time where it's, it requires strong selves, strong people to survive what's here and what's coming. Uh, we need people that are, you're going to need to be one of those people that are centered, that know yourself and that have value for yourself. If you don't value yourself, then you don't value other people. Doesn't that make sense to people? Do, do you want to know what, what really the roots of evil are? The roots of evil are, are the fact that people that commit, even the narcissists that, that you were saying, they, they accuse people that are into selfhood and self-esteem and all that. Oh, they're selfish narcissists. No, that's not true. You don't even know the definition of the word. Narcissism is somebody who is already dead inside. The reason they're narcissistic is not because they have a positive view of themselves. They're narcissistic because they have a negative view of themselves. They hate themselves. They've killed themselves internally. That's why they're narcissistic. It's a fake mask. They're acting in that way because they need your energy because they killed off all their own energy. They have, they're not self-sufficient, so they need you. That's why everybody is trying to recruit you. They want to recruit you into their thing because they're dead inside. They don't have energy of their own. That's why they need the crowd. What is it with Bukowski who said, beware the person or beware the man that is in constant need of crowds for he is nothing alone. Now, why would you beware somebody like that? Well, it's because of what I'm saying. It's because if you are nothing alone, then 
you won't be contributing positively to your society, to your culture, and to the world, or your own life. You will be somebody who is sucking energy from those people who are. And that's different. And you'll live in a state of resentment and envy. And that makes you, that, turn, that starts to go down the slippery slope of turning you into somebody who becomes greedy. And then who is now at the point where you're, you're so unfulfilled within and you've already exhausted all the other avenues of stealing energy and the life force and the creativity of other people around you that now you start to become capable of great evil that you otherwise wouldn't have been. It all comes back to you and your, and your view of yourself. It starts there. If you think about these teens that are going around shooting up schools or overdosing on drugs or eating Tide Pods or doing whatever the hell they're doing, they're doing it because no one's teaching them this anymore. This is not part of the dominant culture. The dominant culture is sadistic. It's inauthentic. And when you, when you start introducing children to that, they naturally have the reaction of trying to compensate for the fact that they're actually missing some ingredients in the mix that, needs, that they need as human beings. It's like a plant that needs photosynthesis and it needs to be watered and it needs non-genetically modified seeds in order to grow into something that's worth having and that's beautiful and that's, that provides fruit for you. Um, it's the same thing. This, this so self-esteem to me is it's the ingredient of consciousness and it's the immune system of consciousness. It's the starting place. It's the starting ground. It's the soil that you're creating that can then blossom into the, uh, you know, the best versions of humanity. And it also goes into the work of Walter Russell just to continue on where he says stuff like, you know, genius is self-bestowed, but so is mediocrity. Mediocrity self-inflicted and genius is self-bestowed, meaning you are your best friend and your worst ally. The choice is yours. What's it going to be, right? You can either live a life of mediocrity and hate yourself for it and then go and commit violence. The violence you've done to yourself, you're going to go out and commit onto the world because human beings naturally project the inner world into the external world. That's why humans are capable of creating great beauty, great art, great music, literature, philosophy, and even great systems that would allow for free societies to exist. But then if that's tampered because the, in, the person inside is handicapped in this way, then they're now creating from a place that's empty. And that just creates, that ends up just creating more destruction in the end. So I, I, create, I did a show recently, or I did a show last year, and I called it self-esteem, a matter of life and death. And it, it's because it is a matter of life and death. It's the matter of life and death for your own course in life. It's a matter of life and death for the society and the nation and the culture and in the world in which you live. Uh, because if we're going to talk about this, what's best for everybody in the group and the greater number and all that, what is that made up of? It's made up of individuals. And if those individuals aren't switched onto this and they're weak at the knees and they don't have any, uh, they don't have the ability to create something from within themselves and they constantly rely on everybody else and the dictates of some dictator then we get led down the garden path like moths to the flame. And it's just happened so many times in history. I, I feel like I, I just, I, I don't even know how to put it into words anymore, how prevalent this is. It just starts to become blatantly obvious. And that's why I say when you read Nathaniel Brandon's work and other people like him, the world will suddenly start to make sense to you. Yeah. And that was beautifully stated. And, and those puzzle pieces for me came in late 
I think. And I wish they would have came in earlier, although I'm not like discounting the timing of, of how things work. And, and, you know, in the end, sometimes it, it does work out, but honestly, like I had a lot more of the tinfoil hattie conspiracy things before I ever got to this point of, of even, you know, understanding kind of the, the things that you were just talking about personally in my own life. So I know it's not, you know, the same, obviously for each person on their pathway going through this kind of stuff, but Absolutely. Uh, Nathaniel Brendan's work seems to be critical, especially, you know, me being a young parent, it's, it's like a reminder, refresher for dealing with that situation, not, not dealing with that situation, but becoming a better parent, um, taking what you were just saying. And yeah, I have a lot of work to do on myself still too, but I've got these little beings that are here that are growing with me and I don't have time necessarily to kind of wait and see how it goes. Like their minds are forming now. And so this information for me is very critical to, to get my head around. I see it as, as very important to our parenting and the homeschooling and the stuff that we're doing. And we're going to be a big part of helping lay that foundational formative years, you know. And I think, like you were saying, like, ultimately, it's our responsibility to pick up that torch and run with it or take responsibility for our internal condition and, and start to weed out some of that stuff and clean it up and you know, like Jordan Peterson, clean your room, right? He's talking about starting here first. He's not talking about a damn room. I'm so sick of people. (laughs) He is, but he's not, right? He's talking about your start here first, and then it builds out from there. And you're so dead on with what you're saying about what's happening out here is not like, it's not a top down thing. It's not random chaos it's what we're manifesting with the internal condition that that humanity in a mass mind type of thing is is carrying on with her and that you know so for me to reach these conclusions it took a long time to get to this point but um then you go back and look at like michael is saying with the ancient trauma you know the genetic dna like written code traumatic ptsd kind of written into our ourselves so it's not necessarily just what happens in your life that might be causing some of the lack of self-esteem or or issues with the with the psyche you know splitting into a subconscious mind and an ego dominator type mindset that that's very much in control of most people right um not not that authentic connection but rather a a fictional mask that's kind of come up but you know, as Michael was arguing, is like a necessary thing for the things that humanity has faced throughout history. It's not been an easy ride up to this point. You know, you have to give us that slack that up to this point, it's, it's, it's not been the, the, you know, all roses and ponies, you know, for humanity. And that's still fresh in our mind. Sorry to jump in, but maybe it's supposed to be like that. Maybe we, like as much as someone like me and I'm sure you Tyler and so many others out there just wish we could just push a magic button and fix the world's problems. You know, there's probably a bigger thing happening that we don't even understand. Like we, that is it's, this is a natural process that has to happen. It's destruction and creation playing against each other until the perfect thing is formed. The universe seems to work in those cycles and in nature seems to work in those cycles. So you know, why are we trying to rebel against that process? That's my thing is why are we so afraid of doing what every other living thing right down to the subatomic particles in nature are doing? Why are we trying to be that different from that process and create this artificial reality where we could obliterate ourselves in the process? And trust me, nature will if, if it ever wants to. 
right. push that button. But it hasn't. And even all the crazy stuff that's happened, all the horrible things, here we are. So I just wanted to say that to people that it's not about being down on it. It's not about getting depressed and scared and walking around in fear. I'm not Greta Thunberg trying to tell you that you have to panic and hit the panic button and act like the house is on fire. I will say though, and I said this in my other show, there is a house on fire. The house on fire is not the CO2 levels. The house on fire is what's going on up here. And when you see that, and you see that that's the source for everything, even if there is a case to be made for some kind of climate thing that we should be worried about, it, it would still all boil back down to the same things we're talking about in the end. Yeah, and I agree with that. And we'll touch on that hopefully before we close out here. So let's get through our last two slides since we have them sure. here. And uh, James Hollis, a, the Jungian, so it almost sounds like Carl Jung basically says, the act of consciousness is central. Otherwise, we are overrun by the complexes. The hero in each of us is required to answer the call of individuation. We must turn away from the cacophony of outer world to hear the inner voice. When we can dare to live its promptings, then we achieve personhood. We may become strangers to those who thought they knew us, but at least we are no longer strangers to ourselves. And that quote right there, I, I just love it. I mean, I think it's like tells the story, you know, of the hero's journeys in a way. Like we we do become strangers to those around us. And I can I can definitely just like totally profess to that. But let me read the last slide. You brought up Walter Russell, Leal Russell being his partner says, the very purpose of your being on earth as a living, breathing entity is so that you will make that unparalleled discovery of what life and love really are. So again, going back to what you're saying, there's a higher purpose here to what is going on. And, you know, I definitely find peace in what you were saying that everything is happening as it should. And I don't mean that I want the things to happen that are happening. I just mean that nature works that way, that it is how it should be because we're getting what we reaping, we're reaping what we sow. And there's definitely a lot of interesting things there with cause and effect that I'd like to explore more. I don't know how much I understand fully about the, the dynamics and, and the nature of what's happening here. Um, especially when you start to get into some of these other topics like, uh, you know, quantum physics, quantum science, or, you know, is there really a cause and effect or is it more or less that you're changing the reality, you know, by your very presence and it's morphing and shifting all the time. You know, there, there's definitely things there that I want to tease out, but I think, you know, Leo Russell's putting it on a whole nother level here saying what it's, you know, it's know thyself. The whole reason why we're all here is discover, to discover who and what we really are and discover what love really is and loving thyself and being selfish in that way is not what we're, not talking about that lower level selfishness, right? We're talking about, um, you know, the one in the all, right? Or that you are part of something a lot greater than this seemingly material presence that's manifested here on the spot. And again, like I said before, I like to say my opinion, here's my opinion. That's definitely my opinion on all this, right? Um, but what are your, what is your takeaway? And uh, then we'll kind of get into some after show wrap up and, and we'll let you get on your way for the day. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant statements from both, both those slides. Um, it's, you know, you're, you're a, you're a parent, Tyler, I'm a parent. You know, full well that if you don't take care of yourself, you will be incapable of taking care of your children. I'm pretty sure we can agree on that 
I mean, I hope people can agree on that. And when you put it in those terms, people will agree with you. But then when I take that exact same concept up to the social political level, everybody's suddenly a philosopher that thinks that it should be. And it's like, okay, you got to understand that nature operates in principles. Like you said, uh, there's, there's, sort, there, there's, there's a process to nature that unless you study it, you're never going to understand it. And unless you, under, if you, unless you understand that you are also a product of nature, it's hard for you to grasp what we're talking about here. But the idea that somehow if we just keep moving the furniture around and we keep shuffling things around and we keep changing the aesthetics of things and we keep like, look at, we're at a point where people are surgically altering their bodies because they're having a psychological identity crisis. It's not an identity crisis of their physical body. It's an identity crisis that happens in every single human being not to just one group of people and it's manifesting in the physical. So the, the, you know, the, I guess like if you look at the Oracle of Delphi and you get into some of the, the old Stoics and some of these old philosophers, uh, especially when you get into hermeticism, real hermeticism, the idea is that there's the world of cause and there's the world of effect. And the way they look at it is there's the, what we're seeing in the world is the world of effects. There's, there's deeper causes behind it. The, the way you move your body is, is a, there's like, that's the effect of the cause, which is whatever is driving the body, this intelligence that permeates all life and allows plants to grow. And that right now it's fall season. So the trees are dying and they're going to go through the process of rebirth. And there's a recycling in nature that's happening. There's an intelligence behind it. It's just expressed in different ways through different vehicles. And so when you see that and you go, okay, well, there's your diversity. Nature is nothing but diverse. You can go look at a seashore, uh, look at all the sand, look at all the rocks. I, I was just at a rock beach the other day with my daughter, just throwing some rocks in there. I try to get them out to the, get out in nature as much as possible. And, you know, you look at rocks, you go, oh, they all look the same color. They're all of the same, I don't know, grouping of rocks or species of rocks, whatever they refer to it as. But every single one of them is different, just a little bit. So you could say, well, there's this thing called humans, and then there's different expressions of humans. Well, there's, we can break it down into racial categories and genders. But even from there, there are different kinds of males and different kinds of females. And even within a race, you know, people look slightly different, and there's different expressions of diversity within a race. So the diversity just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And then there's an infinite amount of ways that you can combine all these forces to create something unique. And if you eliminate freedom of the individual to go on that natural process and connect to all these things I just talked about, then you won't have any creativity in the world and you won't have any diversity. You'll have this one seasoned faceless mask, faceless crowd that is not connected to nature at all anymore, not even connected to their own nature. So that's what people like me are trying to say, well, then go and to, to counteract that movement which is just born out of ignorance, go to the great people and, and lead, read them. And yeah, Walter Russell's one of them, Carl Jung, so many great minds you can get into that are going to give you all the details of how that all works and how those systems interact with. Uh, we recently did a show with Matt Presti, who he's trying to resurrect the work of Walter Russell. He just built the museum and you know, they're, they're going to showcase all of the great work of Walter Russell and just show what a genius he was. And he was, he's a forgotten genius. There are many forgotten geniuses. 
And what made him a genius wasn't just the amazing art and philosophy and music and I don't know, so many things that he did, the science, the new groundbreaking science, the energy technologies, I don't know what else. Uh, and I just love hearing people that are still sitting on their couches and haven't even started a business or haven't even done anything unique in the world saying, yeah, Walter Russell is full of shit. It's like, well, what do you know? You can't even, <laughs> you can't even do half of what this guy did. Show some respect, you know? And, but anyways, you, you look at the minds of these people and Lau Russell and these people and what they're saying, they're, they're urging you towards what you naturally want. You naturally are seeking this because you ultimately, there is a one, it's not a oneness, but there's an allness. There's a totality that, from which all life comes from. And it's what powers all the systems in nature. And, you know, you can call it the Tao. And you can call it the force, God, whatever you want, but it's there and it's present. And one thing that I've learned is that that signal is not going to turn its voice up, its volume up in your, in your path, in your mind. You have to turn all the noise down going on inside your own mind and in your own life in order to hear that voice. And that's why I always advocate for people to go and get in touch with nature or pick up an, some kind of an art. I mean, I use martial arts and I use music. But it could be anything. It literally could be anything. Anything that allows you to get in touch with your imagination, your creativity, and to get in touch with that spirit. And when you start to do that, you will not be hypnotizable anymore. You're not gonna, you'll be immune from hypnotism. You will be immune from the lies and the deception, you know, to a large degree, because you're walking, you're literally walking in the truth, like what you hear in so many religions, you're walking in the truth. But it's not, in, it's not the truth in the superficial way that they mean it, meaning it's my truth or, any, or else. It's, it's walking on a totally different path that is uniquely yours, uniquely yours. And you are, you are free. The world will tell you otherwise, other human beings will tell you otherwise, but only they are capable of trying to convince you of it. And what they're telling you is a lie. Even if you're put in the most constraining gulags or prisons, you're still a free human being because you still have, they still haven't found a way to completely hack this or reproduce this. With all the technology they've got and all the Ray Kurzweil wet dreams and all the transhumanism, you know, man and machine, they'll never get it because all the ones and zeros that are behind all this technology that are just an illusion are nothing but a symbolic representation of nature. They're not actually nature itself. You can never compete against it. The human brain is so complex. The, the human being is so complex. We still are still fighting over what our, where we came from and how we got here. We, they, we know more about the bottom of the ocean than we do about the human mind. It's amazing. So when you see that, you realize the world is telling you there are no mysteries to be solved. The experts have solved all the mysteries. Don't be listening to Walter Russell and Nathaniel Brandon and Bruce Lee and all these people. Don't be tuning into Tyler's podcast. Don't do that because we've already figured it out. And if you, if you try to think outside of that and bring other equations into the mix, then you're the enemy. You're the one we're going to demonize. And that's just how history goes. And maybe that's the condition that needs to be present to spark the geniuses, to inspire and motivate the geniuses, to bring about the great change in the world. Maybe there has to be that level of resistance from the rest of the world in order for uh, anything, any truth to be revealed. So that's why we always keep coming back. When I say we, I'm talking about, you know, this, with Unslaved and the other projects I'm involved with, we're always talking back with 
or coming back to the idea that you have to make this your journey. Don't let anybody else tell you how to think, how to act, how to be. You have to come to those those uh, formulations on your own through your own process. And you're going to be confronted. Like you said earlier, the moment you go on your own path for even a little bit, you're going to be confronted by the crowd and you're going to learn really quickly how, what makes that mob mentality work. And it's, it is driven by fear. It's driven by all kinds of psychological things that we could get into. And we've broken down in many different shows as to what's really underlying all of that. And so when you can identify that within yourself, now when you go and meet people and you decide who's your business partner is going to be, who's your mate's going to be, who your spouse is going to be, who are the people that you're going to look up to, who are, what kind of books are you going to read? You're going to have a manual of how to navigate through all of the tangled webs that are going to be put in front of you the moment you go on that journey. So listen to the people, listen to these great people that you know, Tyler's brought up on the show and go and read their whole works, go and like sit there, and just read, a, read a chapter a week, read 15 minutes a day and just, just let it, let it percolate. And then, then start adding your own thoughts to it. And, um, you know, just keep going on that journey because the world that is being ushered in is a gray world of, you know, you can't step outside of the conformity. You know, this is why we constantly re- we we constantly reference the show The Prisoner because I mean I think that show just sums up everything really. If you watch it, um, this idea of the the village, don't you know you're in the village and you can't be unmutual. What's why are you being unmutual? This guy's a threat. You know, and it, it's on and on. There's so many beautiful metaphors in that show, and again, it just comes back to exactly everything we're talking about. So um, yeah. Pick up your own torch. Keep your torch. You haven't seen the prisoner. You know, like just keep soldiering on with this. Yeah, you're not. Did you hear what I said? You're not woke if you haven't seen the prisoner series. (laughs) Yeah, just not woke enough, man. You know, but I I have it on MP4. I converted it from whatever file format it was in. I have it on a USB stick, and I, you know, offered to upload it for people if they want to check it out. It's kind of harder to get if you're not used to torrents and stuff like that. It's older. But absolutely, it's key, and especially when you're into the cultural symbolism or kind of Hollywood, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a in spite of Hollywood flick, and which is why it's so great. Um, it's a there's layer upon layer of symbol <laughs> symbolism going on there too, and allegory, and uh, you know, I have a friend in in the group that I was telling you about earlier. We're going to go through the six pillars of self esteem. Uh, I've been through the audio book recently, but I'm going to go back through it with her and we'll, we'll report back to each other. So we're going to kind of go a little bit more detailed into it. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Links to that. It's re- it's like on YouTube. There's an audio version of it. So it's really easily accessible. Um, but your work on self-esteem and, and what you've done here, like I was just thinking how happy I am that I emailed you specifically to do this show because it's the first kind of live interview that we've had uh, for and there are some technical hiccups and if it ends up being that I need to uh, repost this uh, with a better version we're recording a backup here so the video did appear to be a little bit choppy but you know when you do it live you're gonna struggle through that stuff and eventually I'll have it up to the to the par of of a David Whitehead or a Way of the Truth Warrior Unslaved production um, but yeah I mean what you were saying about the climate meltdown internally just to kind of wrap up that side of things um that's what they are triggering though like you said they'll never find the key all the way in although they're working on it you know they're working on that remote control 
And right now you see that there is a, a triggering of people's internal climate melting down. And so the words mm -hmm. that they use even to push this stuff, I think are very selected and not by chance that there's a climate, an internal climate, and it's melting down. And then, you know, you can see it in this 12-year-old girl or anybody else that's, uh, you know, thinking that Trump is the devil because he's anti-science and, you know, the the kind of climate activist cult that we see is having an internal climate meltdown, which I know you guys have talked about on Unslaved and that you, you've brought up here on the show. And I, I think that's really what it's all about. It's not about the planet. It's not about the earth. The earth is obviously going to be just fine, as you know. Um, it's, it's definitely, you know, we're talking about an <laughs> internal discussion here. Same with the wall. And the, the Trump wall is a divide that they're driving in people's mind and it might be a real thing and there might be an actual physical wall but the media uses this this way of speaking to us to kind of make these like what end up being self-fulfilling prophecies that we carry out you know through the kind of remote control programming so it's very real but i do agree with you like you look at ezra pound or um anyone else who's been locked up for saying things like this or for speaking their truth um their works end up being some of the greatest works that come out of that pressure, that grinding axe, you know, the stone that grinds the axe mechanism that this, maybe that's what this is all about, you know, really and ultimately kind of lesson ground for knowing thyself, you know, but um, David, I want to thank you tremendously for spending this amount of time with me and for, I know you're a busy guy and you have a lot going on. I appreciate that you've managed your life to the point to be able to do these types of things and not feel like you have to go or I obviously don't know what you have going on tonight, but it shows that you're an integral person that you operate in excellence. The fact that you're able to do work like this, you can't be disorganized out of, you know, out of integrity, not connected with, with the true self type of person um, and do what you're doing consistently over time. You can fake it. You can fawn it. You can, you can make it look like that, but you're an authentic person. I've been following your work for a long time. I know that you're the real deal. And you're the man, David. I really appreciate uh, everything that you've said here today and all the work that you've done. So um, one thing that I have to ask you before we go, it kind of came out of me leading up to this interview. One of my friends asked, uh, who's got the higher belt? Is it David or his wife? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks, man. I, I, it's a real pleasure to come on and I'll always support these shows, especially startup shows because we need more people doing this. I encourage people to do, I mean, you don't, you don't have to start a show. You don't have to do any of this stuff publicly. I know what it takes to do this. So salute. I mean, my hat's off to you, Tyler, and I hope you keep doing it. You're doing great content and I really appreciate you bringing me on to do this. Um, when it comes to the black belt thing, uh, you know, I actually got my wife involved in martial arts. When I first met her, I was training and I was doing a lot of competing and stuff. And, she, she didn't even know you could join a martial arts school. She thought you had to get like a scroll delivered to you from some master or something to be invited or something like that. And I'm like, no, no, you can just sign up right now. 1995, you can get a trial. You can go check it out. So she started years ago and then uh, she worked her way through. She got her golden gloves in kickboxing, got her black belt in jujitsu. And, uh, you know, she still teaches. She, she teaches mostly kickboxing right now. She has a women's only class that she teaches, empowering women in our community. She's just a fantastic person. She's my soulmate. We work together, play together, live together. Uh, we run. She's also one of the huge uh, parts behind Unslaved as well, just on the back end, making sure things are running smoothly and uh, providing good feedback. 
Um, I owe a lot to her as well for being an anchor in my life to allow me to do this work. She believes in everything I'm doing wholeheartedly and I believe in what she's doing and I guess that's what makes it work. And um, so, you know, I have nothing but gratitude for those that have contributed to my opportunities now and who I am now. I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Um, you know, I'm honored to be working with someone like Michael who, you know, he, he, he's kind of on the undercurrent right now, but he'll be remembered long after he's gone and he'll leave a legacy like, like no other. And, you know, I just want to do good, good work to promote that and promote his message. And I know some people don't vibe with the way he delivers the information or whatever, but it's not for everybody. He comes at you with, it's a very, it's the, it's the advanced class. It's not for the faint of heart. Let me put it like that. He comes at you very directly, which I appreciate. He, he, he speaks the truth with a flaming sword and that's what I respect. And, um, you know, I, and there's so many others I, I could go on and on just saying, singing their praises. Uh, so yeah, I keep doing it. And those that are watching, you know, we were just having a conversation here. Um, we didn't want to get it all bogged down with uh, every single fact and detail. It's all documented in the other work we've done. But I, I hope that at least you're inspired to start to think about these subjects and think about these issues. And then, again, there's no, there's no contract to sign here. This is all free investigation for you to come to your own conclusions about uh, people like me. I'm just here. I want to inspire the greatness in you. I know there's greatness in everybody because I know that that same spark of life that's in me is in everybody else as well. And uh, I, I just, I want to encourage people to go out and, and discover it in the way that those who encouraged me to discover it allowed me to have that opportunity. So thanks for having me on. I'm sure we'll do it again, Tyler. And I encourage you to keep running this channel and keep doing the great work you're doing. Absolutely. And uh, I really, again, want to thank you for coming on and, uh, I want to just kind of be a repeater in these scenarios where I'm bringing you on. I'm not trying to convince people one way or the other, really. I'm trying, you said it all in this interview, like everything that I envisioned that we would talk about, you nailed it. And, but, but the great thing is, is that we're not trying to say, like you said, we're just talking. This is us just going back and forth. We can do this all day. Um, yeah. It's your work that now people can go check out. I hope they do. Anybody who's not familiar with David, um, definitely go follow up. We're going to, in a sec here, I'll pass the mic back to him and he can tell you where that is to go. But, um, you know, in, in what you were saying about Michael, him being in an undercurrent, like I was talking to his, about his work to some friends and they were, you know, older school truther movement people than I am. Right. And so they're familiar with his old, like, um, Atlantis and things like that. Right. Ancient origins of Irish civilization and things. And they had like this distaste for kind of that flavor of work, right? Not that it's not true or something or not that it, you know, shouldn't be looked at, but they weren't familiar with anything since then. That's when they dropped off of Michael's work. And I'm like, well, no, no, you got to circle back and look at what these guys are doing. And, and they were like, well, there weren't enough links and references. And I'm like, well, there are now. <laughs> what? Have you yeah. ever read his Atlantis book? I think it's like the last quarter of the book is appendices for crying out loud. I don't know how many more references people want. But anyways, yeah. and we'll leave your links and references. So tell us what some of those are that so people can know where to find your work and how to follow what you're doing. 
Sure. I appreciate that. Yeah. I used to have a website running for Truth Warrior. It got invaded by porn bots or something. I don't know. And I wasn't able to follow up on it. I was so busy with Unslave. So if you go to my old website, I don't think it's running anymore. Um, so right now you can just hit me up on social media. You can go on Facebook. You can look for the way of the Truth Warrior. I have a page there. That's where I post a lot of my links, my interviews, some posts, just stuff that's on my mind. Um, I love my Instagram page just because I, you know, I, it's just easier to communicate through images. It's very simple. Have a lot of fun on that page. Uh, I've got some great accounts that I'm linked to as well there. Uh, so you can just look, look me up as at DW Truth Warrior. That'll link you to all my social media. And then I do have a Patreon page uh, where I post all the, all the real deets. So I just do a few extra special things for those that are gracious enough to support my work and, and allow me to keep doing this. And uh, so I, I put all kinds of goodies over there and uh, definitely have nothing but gratitude for those people that support the show. Um, and I'll be coming up as soon as I get, we're actually in the process of launching a new unslaved website that I've been working tirelessly over for the past year that went a little bit longer than I thought, but it's just because we're trying to make it perfect. And then, you know, there's been so many updates in the, in the computer online world. So we've had to keep everything up to code. So uh, we've got a new website coming your way. You can check out unslaved at unslaved.com. Um, all the information is there. It's an exclusive program. It's not out there. We have clips and things that were free. We used to have a free version of the show, but we got uh, blackmarked on YouTube uh, not that long after we started. So we just said, okay, well, fine. We're going to do it for people who are serious um, and allow us to have the funding to actually build this project. And Michael and I have a, a, a goal of raising enough income through that project so that we can start actually doing some documentary films and making this a real serious investigation at a high quality. Uh, we've been dreaming on doing an, uh, a documentary for some time on Ireland and the actual Irish origins so um, that we can actually basically prove out a lot of the things that Michael had discussed in some of his earlier books about that. So, uh, so that's going on there. So yeah, uh, that's where you can find me. And uh, thanks again, Tyler. It was a great, uh, great chat with you today, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time, David and all the, all the great things that you said today and, and all the great work you've been doing. We'll, I'll look forward to seeing that stuff you're talking about with Unslaved, the new website. And, you know, you and Michael are just, like I said, just nailing it. The stuff you guys are kind of like, almost like pouring out, it seems, uh, is well worth the subscription to the website. I, I have the premium and I've had it for some time. It's, it's not a big dent in anybody's wallet, hopefully. And if it is, you know, there, there's definitely David's channel where you can get uh, hit the work he's doing for the way of the truth warrior. But for the, for the pennies on the dollar, you know, the unslaved membership is even if you just wanted to do it for a month and check it out. And if it's not for you, you know, then there's no like contract or anything either. So they make That's it really right. easy. And uh, the information is well worth it. Like it when when you look at what's there versus that dollar amount, it's not even equatable. Um, but again, you know, we'll close it out there. It's been three hours now, so about, I think. So very good uh, timing on the show, I think. A full, long-form discussion like this is fine with me. So in the future, David, we'll circle back with you once you kind of get another year under your belt or something like that. And uh, if you're in Salt Lake again for business, feel free to hit me up. I'm still here. So um, Will do. Otherwise, I'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Sounds great, man. Thank you so much. Right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, TylerBloyer.com, you can find this post posted probably within the week. There's going to be a bunch of resources and things that we'll put in there, and if this video needs to be touched up, we'll have that done eventually too. And everyone, have a wonderful day, and thanks for watching.
拜。